What's up, everybody? Episode 22 of the Rest of Your Perception podcast. Man. Let's go through some ads, baby. All right. The Wrestle Your Perception podcast is brought to you by Atomic Training and Performance, the authority in South Florida for obstacle-based strength and conditioning and sports performance. If you are looking to get in the best condition of your life, train for an obstacle race such as Spartan or train for Ninja Warrior with over 50 obstacles and counting, Atomic Training and Performance is for you. We also specialize in kids five and up and first responders. Led by head coach and founder Coach Casey, a Spartan SGX Level 2 Master Coach, Certified Strength and Conditioning Specialist, and Bachelor in Exercise Science. You can find us at atpobstaclegym.com to sign up for a first-time free class, and on Instagram at atp underscore obstacle gym. The Wrestle Your Perception podcast is also brought to you by The Thin Line Concept. The Thin Line Concept specializes in laser engraving on anything from tumbler cups, wallets, and plaques. They also create PVC patches for any type of logos from fire stations to marketing. At the Thin Line Concept, quality is never compromised. Created by firefighters for everyone. Find them on Instagram on the Thin Line at the Thin Line Concept. Or you can email them at thinlineconcepts with an S at the end at Outlook.com. You know it, baby. Oh, man. My guest today is a very close friend of mine for a very long time. I actually worked for him. It was my first job ever when I was 16 years old. Official job. He is the owner of First Light Home Care in West Broward, which is a company that works to improve the lives of seniors and those suffering from dementia, Alzheimer's, and Parkinson's. He's a board member the Broward Coalition on Aging. He's a Fulbright Scholar, and we're going to get in, elaborate on this stuff more in the podcast. He was a professor at Suk, say it, Rob? Suk Myung. Suk Myung Women's University in Seoul, Korea. He's also a UK graduate, and we're going to talk <laughs> about that. Uh, my guest today is Robert Sirota. Wait, he was also a colonel. Right, you are. A, yeah, I'm a Kentucky Colonel. He's a Kentucky Colonel, and we're gonna get into that too. Not about that. Yeah, man. See, I gotta remind this guy. Woo. Oh man, Robert, I'm so excited to have you on, and I really appreciate you uh, having me in your office today. Uh, this beautiful white room with a big white glass table. Hey, I feel uh, I feel important. That's how I roll. Yeah, man. It's good to see you, Luigi. It's, I miss you. Oh man, I miss you too. And I want to talk about. I started working for Robert. In the, um, he, you had a newsstand. Yeah, I had a couple stores in Town Center Mall way back in the day, up in Boca Raton. Yeah, man, and I I worked for one of his stores in there, and uh, I want to go get into a little bit before we start getting into the other stuff. I want to talk about the mall a little bit because how long were you in there for? I don't know. I think maybe ten years. <laughs> and it was a rude awakening. If you could, if you could describe the like your experience in the mall. I'm going to say, I'll give you two words. What's two words? Maybe three, if you can break it down. <laughs> oh, gosh. I don't, uh, without swearing, I don't know if I can do You can it. swear? <laughs> um, I, I don't know. Two words, I, can, I could write a book about it. <laughs> I don't know if Boca Raton still is the way Boca Raton was like 20 years ago, but people were very, uh, they thought that 
just because they had money, but it was new money, that they were better than you. So it's a shopping center full of people, or it was, that uh, looked down upon you because you had a name tag on. Some of those stories, man, that you – one guy in particular, I remember, you used to call him the Versace guy. You came up with the nickname, no, Mr. I, Versace. I did? Yeah, Robert, yeah. I can't take credit for that. There's no, no. way. Because can you explain what this guy used to do? Like, right, So it's my understanding this guy was from, like, New Jersey, and he came into some money. So he moved to Boca, and he bought a Harley, and he bought a sports car, and he started – walking around the mall for, for whatever reason and hitting on all the little girls that worked in the shoe stores and be, became like a mall celebrity. <laughs> but he was some guy that came into some money and he chose to, with this newfound money, spend the next 10 years of his life walking around the mall acting cool. And he always used to wear Versace, like custom, like tailor fit Versace suits. But he would he always be he's there every day or yeah I saw this guy all the time he was a mall rat but he's like a thirty five year old guy or forty year old he was old actually I yeah, don't know I was, was young then no, yeah I guess you're right maybe he was in his forties and tell me that situation where he was talking to that girl that you saw him talking to that girl on the side he was right by your your store oh so one <laughs> one night I saw this guy uh, Mr Versace. <laughs> Yeah, right? In the food court. <laughs> and he had this really beautiful-looking young girl. And apparently he was dating her, and she was impressed by his money. And he had her in the mall, and he had been walking her around into some of the stores, and she gave attitude to some of his friends that were working in the shoe stores. <laughs> and so he lectured her? Is that the word? <laughs> so basically I, I looked up, and I see this guy in the middle of the food court in a Versace suit, and he's got this beautiful, like, 20, 19, 20-year-old girl, and he's manipulating her face with his hand, like putting his fingers and lifting her chin up and moving her head <laughs> around as he's talking to her, saying, gosh, I, something like, you got to get out of your world and into mine. <laughs> right, and he started, he started jabbing his finger into her temple and telling her she has to get out of her world to his world <laughs> because he <laughs> she she embarrassed him in front of all his friends now his friends are like these high school girls that work in the mall oh my and he's and he started saying now do you want to go back to second street or do you want to be with me and she started crying and saying i want to be with you i don't want to go back to second street <laughs> tell, tell them the story about the girl which girl the one where she was wearing a lot of makeup oh he said do you remember the girl? Was she in a salon or something? No, she was just a customer that walked into our store, and she was wearing a lot of makeup. And, and he said to her, oh, you're, I'm going to butcher it, but I know he said something along the lines, oh, I don't like a natural beauty. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He said that. He basically, he walked up to her, and he was hitting on her, and he, said, and he said, hey, I really like what you've done with your face. You know, the makeup <laughs> looks really good. And she's like, who's this guy? But she was polite, and she said, thank you. And then he said, like, oh, no, you know what? I don't like a natural beauty. <laughs> what a sick bastard. Yeah, so the there guys, uh, for those of you that don't believe there are, that there's justice and karma that comes back in this world, I never saw him again. Well, no, I did. I'm sorry. I saw him one more time. Years later, I was on the Sawgrass Expressway at a toll booth. You saw him? Yeah, I oh, never told you this. No, okay, tell so me. let's hear it. He disappeared from the mall, and apparently, he had run out of all the money he had come into. What? And yeah, he blew through it. And I'm 
commuting on the sawgrass and I pull up to a toll booth at 11 o'clock at night and he's the dude taking my change at the toll booth. Holy crap. Dressed in those weird toll, toll booth shirts. Yeah, so. You never told me this, that that happened to him. So I was like, yeah, assholes really do get what they deserve. Wow. <laughs> got it. So he ended up working for the toll booth. Holy crap. Man, I remember you were saying you were going to write a book about the your God, uh, you know, I wrote ten it, years in the mall. I wrote it all down. The stories about all the people and the behavior I saw. I remember one time a a, a woman that like if you've never been to Boca Town Center, a lot of there's a lot of people that come to the mall and push their dogs around in expensive baby carriages, like thousand dollar, or they'll walk them around. They'll have their little lap dog in a Louis Vuitton uh-huh, bag. Yeah. Right? And there was a woman that let her put her dog down in the store, and her dog went to the bathroom, like a number two. In your store? Yeah, dropped the Count oh. Dooku. <laughs> weird geeky <laughs> Star Wars Count reference. Dooku. I know who Count Dooku is. <laughs> dropped so the dog, the dog dropped the Count Dooku <laughs> in my store. Oh and my uh, the there was a Haitian lady that, you know, cleaned the mall floors, and the, the, the lady's, like, yelling at this rich woman, like, you know, hey, your dog, your dog shit. Your dog shit on the floor. And the woman goes like, she's talking like this. Oh she's wow. like, well, what do you want me to do about it? <laughs> <laughs> didn't apologize, didn't attempt to clean it up herself. Really? Just walked away with her little cute little poodle or whatever it was. Wow. Yeah. But and that's only two stories. Yeah. That's only two. Imagine. Yeah, we I'm put up. I we mean, we should have medals for all the insanity and rudeness we put up. Oh, yeah, there was a lot of people. I had people throw – I worked in a candy store. I was one of Robert's stores in there. And I remember someone threw, threw – said, these these cashews are stale and threw them back at me. <laughs> <laughs> and then I had another guy that was there, and he's like, you're an asshole. Like, one guy stuck up for me. And and he's like, you know, you tell these kids to show respect when you don't have any respect. <laughs> this younger, like, Spanish dude. I was like, Get this old bastard. <laughs> I was actually, yesterday I was with Young, my wife, and yeah. I, I was telling her a story about how this guy came into the store and he wasn't satisfied with something that had happened. And he looked at me, and now keep in mind, I'm the owner of the store. And the guy pulls out his cell phone and he says, You know what, asshole? <laughs> I know the guy that owns this. <laughs> and I'm calling, did I ever tell you this one? No. And I'm calling him right now, and your ass is fired. <laughs> And I, I was standing there behind the counter, and, like, he pulls the phone out, and he's pacing back and forth with the phone up to his ear. And uh, God, this is and I was just – I just played along, and I was like, oh, come on, dude, really? This job's important to me, man. <laughs> like, and, you know, I was, I was just hoping my phone would actually ring, ring, you know, just by coincidence, and I could pull it out. Oh, and say, man. But that's the way they were. Everybody – it's a giant bluff. Everybody's pretending to be something that they are not. And the reason that I like you so much, Luigi, is because you are exactly who you are, and you make the world a better place. Thank you, Robert, and I feel the same about you. <laughs> I do. I learned a lot from you, man, I will say. You guys can't see this right now, but Luigi's handing me $20. Saying that. <laughs> it's a fake 20 <laughs> I'm just kidding. Counterfeit. <laughs> so, Rob, I wanted to ask you about I kind of want to keep talking about the mall <laughs> because it was so much fun. Well, now it's more fun thinking about it and the stuff that you went through because you were there longer than I was dealing with all aspects of it. But let's uh, – I'll change the tune a little bit and we'll go into uh, oh, how you came about to um, start up First Light. 
home care? Excellent question. Anyway, so eight years ago, it was eight years. I'm sorry that I'm because I remember I talked to you about well, it when you first started. Well, holy crap! As a company, it's we've been in business for about to go into our fourth year. But gotcha. eight years ago, what happened was I went with my cousin to visit his mom in a nursing home over in like Wilton Manor, somewhere over by the ocean. Yeah, and he was hanging out with his mother, and I was bored. So I started walking around the, the uh, assisted living facility. Just, you know, I like to talk to people. And what I saw made me really, really sad. Uh, the place was nice. Yeah. It was a beautiful facility. But the, the amount of loneliness and the people, the, the ladies, little ladies in their wheelchairs and stuff are coming up to me. And just you could tell they really, really wanted someone to talk to them. Yeah. And uh, it affected me. Did not realize at that moment that it was a life-changing experience. I did not know what it's like to age. Wow! In this country, for some people. So what happened was, I, I'm a bonsai instructor. I'm not a good one. I didn't say that. I'm sorry. Oh well. <laughs> Never let it happen. Again. <laughs> I'm letting it go this time. <laughs> so, so, uh, so I teach bonsai, which is the art of taking a young tree and making a sculpture out of it by bending the branches and twisting it and cutting it and eventually making that little tiny tree look like an ancient windswept tree. So I went to a nursing home in Sunrise, Florida, and I just walked in the door and I said, hey, you know, can I teach? Really? Some of, some of your residents. So I, they gave me 10 of their high cognitive Alzheimer's patients, which means they have Alzheimer's, but they're still pretty much there. Their memory is okay. They could remember who I am. Mm -hmm. And so I gave each one of them a tree and started going every other week and working with them and teaching them about the art of bonsai and decorating their trees and shaping them. And really? So one thing led to another, and after a few years, uh, I started a home care business. My friend said, hey, you, know, you should look into home care. And I'm like, what is that? take care of homes right <laughs> <laughs> no you take care of the people in the homes so uh we we launched first light and my wife young who you know yeah she takes she hires all the caregivers and nurses and she's awesome with them and we go to their houses and make sure that they're safe and happy and if they can't walk from room to room or they can't bathe themselves or they can't cook or do their laundry or they need someone to drive them to the doctor we go with them, and we enrich their lives. We do things with them, and some of them I give them a bonsai tree, and it gives, gives me a great excuse as the owner to go over and just hang out with them, not billing them or anything, just being their friend. And I have right now about 15 really, really good friends. Damn, man. That's pretty, that's pretty wild. Because I remember when I spoke to you, you were, well, this was years ago, before you started the business, you were in the process of looking for something to start or a new yeah. business, a new venture. So I remember talking about we're going to get into how you reinvented yourself yeah. from from having a few, a few businesses and then you totally went the opposite direction. I mean, you started obviously you started another business, but not retail. Like, um, I I read. So, a, go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry, Luigi. No, no, no. You didn't interrupt me. I was just oh. at a loss for words for a second. <laughs> so years ago, about around the same time that I was doing all this, I read a book by this guy named James Altucher called Reinvent Yourself. He wrote two books, Choose Yourself and Reinvent Yourself. And it got me to thinking about what do, like, 
what is the purpose of my life? Like, why am I here? Mm -hmm. Just going through the motions? Like, can I actually do something during my life that I can make the world a better place? And it dovetailed with this. And so I made lists of what would really, truly make me happy mm -hmm. if I accomplished things in my life. Yeah. And uh, this fits perfectly with it because every day when I wake up, I know that I'm going to have a positive impact on people's lives. And how hard was it to get this thing going? Because, uh, I mean, any business is tough. The beginning, any part of it is all tough. I mean, but to, to get it off the ground and to get it going, uh, how hard has that been? Uh, the hardest part was at the beginning getting uh, certified by the Florida Healthcare Administration. Okay. It's the long bureaucratic process, but we got through it to get the licensing to do this because they're the state is signing off saying, yes, we're giving you know, First Light a license. That means that we are, we, we're telling you that it's okay to have them come into your house. We've done background checks. They're a legitimate office. They have nurses. Their training procedures are correct. Their caregivers, their background checks are all done. And so you can feel comfortable having them come into your home. Wow. And our, the, our business model, most of our customers come through word of mouth. Uh, we're more a boutique than other agencies, not all, but yeah. a lot of agencies just basically have a roster of caregivers and you call them and they send someone out to your house. Like you say, my mom needs help. Can someone come be with her six hours a day? You have a stranger knocking on your door. Uh, my wife and I are very hands-on. We never send a caregiver to someone's house alone. We go the first day because we already know grandma. We go hang out and we're like, hey, here's the new caregiver. And we stay until they're comfortable, and we visit each client each week. Wow. So my point is, you were asking me how difficult this is. A lot of people, when they see our ads on Facebook or uh, on the Internet, they call, they're just price shopping, and they only want to know how much we are per hour. And it's hard for us to say to them, yeah, well, you know, okay, maybe we're a dollar more per hour than this other company, but here's why. Mm -hmm. We do this and this and this, and you're getting my, my wife – myself you're not just getting a caregiver but they don't want to know that and they don't want to hear it they're just price but yeah the people that there is a there's a select group of people that want the experience that we can provide but it's very difficult to convey that yeah in a phone call so uh, word of mouth has been fantastic for us because we undersell and we over deliver that's awesome and then they they say oh my god like when they're maybe their friend or neighbor is like oh i needed some help my dad's getting old he has a little dementia you have to call Young Lim. You have to call Robert. They that's an awesome job. That's cool, man. That's really cool. And <clears throat> I'm glad that it's taking off. And because I remember for a while, I mean, you weren't happy. It not not it just as far as the business went. You were not satisfied. Because I remember you were telling me, I got to get out of this fucking mall. You're like, you know how. I didn't say the word fuck, by the <laughs> way. Oh, I just <laughs> said the word fuck. Because you were like, man, I can't. I don't want to do this anymore. And I, this was a long time ago that you you were so fed up with all that in there, th how they were, I remember when your place was on the, one of the, your places were under construction, remember that, how much money oh, you lost, delay. In yeah. dude, that was just ter a nightmare, and you're at the mercy of that, that land, yeah, I've forgotten about all that, yeah, that's good, I'm glad you forgot, <laughs> I just reminded you, you just got, yeah, I just saw your face change now, <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty awesome, and you totally changed in all aspects, as far as like, you're in the, Probably the best shape you've been in how long? I mean, probably since I was playing soccer in college. Yeah. I'm 
University of Kentucky. By the way, Luigi's checking me out right now. <laughs> How hot is that? <laughs> you're such an idiot. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to be saying that tonight. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm done. I don't even know what to say to you. <laughs> Sick fuck. So, um, man, yeah, man, you're training so a lot. You changed your life. You re- you said you're reading how many books a week now? I, or you made a, g- when, a I, when I began this journey and I decided to really change who I was, I... Read, you hear there here and there like you read these books like how to think and grow rich the Napoleon yeah. Hill book and you know all these different books I've read Covey and Simon Sinek and a lot of these people say you have to you have to read you have to read like 500 books mm-hmm. and that seems to be a common denominator uh, with people that are really impacting the world positively or become wealthy which is not my goal um so it's a book a week and I figured it would take me 10 years to get a book a week. And not fiction. These are all either biographies, history books, or like self-help books, business books. And uh, it's a, about a 45-minute to one-hour commitment every day. Really? Yeah. Damn. I mean, you think if you read a page a minute. Oh, yeah. That's 60. In 60 minutes, you could read 60 pages. If it's a 300-page book, that would take five, five days, I believe. Go through wow. like that, and some days you can't read; you get overwhelmed. But you, it, the cool thing about reading that many books is you read like a book that you don't think has anything to do with another topic you read. But after a while, you start to see patterns; you start to see connections from a history book to a biography to maybe a self-help book, and um, you start to think at thirty thousand feet instead of being down in the trenches and only dealing with the craziness that's in front of you. You start to see things floating from like seven miles high. Wow, that's a great way to put it. I never heard that. That's awesome. You have a different perspective on everything. Yeah, oh absolutely. And, and the fact that I lived in Asia. Oh, that's right. That's a different. I, I see. I see the world, like from thirty thousand feet. I don't get in, you know, wrapped up in politics or anything. Wow, that's pretty awesome. So, how many books are you at now? I think it's like one hundred and fifty. I have a list. Really, an Excel spreadsheet where I'm just. Do you have any that you recommend, like off the top of your head right now, that you would recommend oh. to anybody? Yeah, the James Altucher book. I think it's James. His last name's Altucher, and the book's called Choose Yourself or Reinvent Yourself. But the, the one that has had the most positive impact on our business is this book called Why mm-hmm. by Simon Sinek. His YouTube video, his TED Talk video, I'm sorry. He does a, he does a TED Talk mm-hmm. where it kind of broke the internet. So his basic thing is that People do not buy what you sell. Mm-hmm. They buy who you are. Yeah. So if you have a compelling story about why you are doing what you're doing, people will buy it. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's oh, I'm sorry. It's people don't buy what you do. They buy who you are. Yeah. I got you. And the best brands in the world are brands that have a mission or a goal that people emotionally attach themselves to because they feel that by buying that product, it's they're, they're contributing to something better. It's true. Now that I'm thinking about it, yeah. I mean, and you, it also helps to believe in your own product. You're not just BSing somebody, you, you know, believing in what you're doing. That's a huge factor. That's a huge selling point, especially if you – if you're pretty on, if you're a pretty honest person and you're not a salesperson in that sense, not that that's a bad thing because people need to sell, but if you believe in it, I think that goes a long way. <clears throat> that's pretty awesome. 
So talking about um, now, you I saw on on your intro when I introduced you, you're a Fulbright scholar. I wanted to talk about that a little bit. What is that? Um, in the 1940s, there was a senator from Arkansas named Fulbright, and the United States government had set aside a whole lot of money because they thought the war would continue for, for a few years. So after the war ended, we had this surplus of money set aside that we were going to use to invade the Japanese islands. And he, th- this guy Fulbright, said, you know what, why don't we take this money and apply it so that nations, countries understand each other better mm-hmm. so that this never happens again. So the Fulbright Fellowship is, it's kind of like an exchange program. Yeah. And so they send you to live in another country. And in return, a student from that country comes and lives in America. And you live there for like a year. And therefore, you learn that country, you learn about the country, and it builds relationships. That's cool. So I went through a long vetting process, and I had to go to Washington, D.C. And um, the reason I chose Korea was because my roommate's girlfriend was Korean, and I didn't know anything about Korean culture, but I was really into Native American art. And when Native Americans on the northwest coast of America have those totem poles, and I was flipping through his girlfriend's art, Korean art book, and lo and behold, they have totem poles in Korea. Halfway around the world, they have wow. totem poles. Like, so what's the connection? Yeah. So wow. I wrote a proposal because I, I, was, I had just gotten my master's degree in sculpture. Mm-hmm. And I wrote a proposal, and I had to send in a portfolio and uh, an essay, a th- I mean, a thesis. And I didn't think I would ever give it because they get it because they give those things to people that go to, like, Ivy League schools or Stanford or something. Yeah. And here I am, this dude going to the Maryland Institute College of Art. But and then yeah, but that's go ahead. I got a letter in the mail. It says, you know, hey, so pack you went, up. You went to Korea and you went and you taught over there. Yeah, I taught at university. I also taught English at a bank to the executives of the bank. And it was just conversational English. Uh, Koreans all can speak English. Yeah. But they just need someone to practice with. So I had the best job I'll probably ever have. Really? For a lazy person, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was paid a ridiculous amount of money to sit in a room and just talk to people. Really? Yeah. And oh, they probably loved you over there, huh? Correct their English and you know, learn about them and learn about me. Yeah, it was fantastic. That's cool. And how long were you there for? Three years. And that's where you met your wife? Yes. Right on. And Young Lim's kicking ass, I assume? She beat the hell out of me last night. <laughs> <laughs> they all know Taekwondo over there. You're it's so mandatory. <laughs> minimum second degree. <laughs> I don't You're so dumb. Yeah, I learned that the hard way. <laughs> you learned <it> the hard <laughs> yeah, I was like, she's going to take out the garbage. And I'm like, yeah, what are you going to do about it? You weigh like 110 pounds. And then, boom, there was a th- I had a foot in my face. And then my tooth came out. And then, so, anyway, I've been taking out the garbage. Oh, my God. You're ridiculous, man. So, now, so you got that Fulbright scholarship. You went to UK, and then you went to that the art school that you were talking about, and that's how you got the Fulbright scholarship from right. there. So you played soccer at UK. Uh, I got. I remember a funny story you were telling me about. You were a cocky son of a bitch when you were in college, huh? Yeah, well, you were young, yeah. That's yeah. The way you're young. It was just you. So tell me how you you're what you're. <laughs> tell me the story about that time you scored a goal. <laughs> oh my! You know how these, these soccer players have these like. Uh, 
celebration routines they do. Like they'll pretend they're playing the violin or the, you know whatever they do. They hold their hand up to their ear. Do the Superman, the yeah, like, or slide on or the knees. slide on the knees, the new one everybody's doing. Uh, I would run into the goal really quick before the goalkeeper could go back and get the ball out. And I would take the ball and then I would run out and then jump up and dunk it over the crossbar. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't get better than. That. No, I got kind of. Yeah. Oh my god! How about? Didn't you ever do the Ric Flair strut? You said you did the oh, strut. Oh, that's right. You did that yeah, too. Sometimes I would strut like Ric Flair after I scored a goal. <laughs> woo! You know where you like you, you kind of stutter, stutter walk, <laughs> moving the arms. That's right, Jesus. I'm not that cocky anymore, guys. I've been humbled. Oh my god! My it took a long time. <laughs> it took a. Long <laughs> yeah. Well. Oh, I gotta write that down. I gotta write that on the intro, for the advertisement. That I strut around like Ric oh, yeah. Flair. The strut. How many times was he the man? I lost track. How many times? 16 times. 16 times the man. 15 or 16 time champion. 16 time champion. I think. But that means he's lost it 15 times. That's the thing. He doesn't really. But I'm he, not going to say it to Ric Flair. But, but he reinvented himself 16 times. Yeah. 15 times. I wonder See, if he read that Simon Sinek book. To come back. <laughs> Let me tell you something, Mean Gene. <laughs> I was reading James Altucher's book. <laughs> I heard a, a funny a f- – I, wa- I follow this guy on Instagram. It's called WrestleBotch. And he posts, any, like, all the stuff, like, moves that guys messed up or when they're on the mic and they mess up. Man, and they got one of Hogan <laughs> saying how, after I'm done squeezing your knob and squeezing everything out of it, I'm going to go and do – and he – it just it, – I, I, I was dying <laughs> – and it, it was so funny and so perverted, and he didn't mean to do it. <laughs> and then they got Sid. You remember Sid, Sid, Psycho Sid? Yeah. They got him. They call it Sid Saturdays, and they show all the things that he's messed up on. <laughs> and it's just, I can't stop laughing. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to show you it after. Yeah, I, I got to see this. Oh, man, you're going to love it because you're going to relive some of these moments. You're going to, because you're going to, you know, all those, you know, all these yeah. wrestlers, all the old school wrestlers, man. But it was, it's hilarious, <laughs> this page. Uh, all right, so you dunked the goal. Oh, you also wore a headband, too. You had long hair. You wore the headband when you played. You know, when I was in high school and college, it's when the, when the MTV came into, you know, into town, and, like, it was all that new wavy fashion. So all the kids on the soccer team had those soccer cuts where it's kind of spiky on top and long on the back. A mullet, basically. Yeah, is that what they – yeah. You had a mullet, Rob. It's yeah. cool. But I was like <laughs> the dudes in the vapors with the turning Japanese song. And so we all had headbands. It wasn't just me. It was a pretty much all the kids. That's great. Do you remember? I remember I was working in the, in the in the in the, in the nut store, the one the one on you know obviously yeah. you had that was the one that I worked in, and you, this one dude did always come around. He I forgot where he worked. Sal, remember Sal? Yes. Sal would come around. and He goes, you know, I built this place. Old Italian guy. I built this place. I built those cabinets. And he's coming around saying this, and you're like, you did. Well, why don't you fix this? And the cabinet's fucking hanging off. I remember there was a few cabinets that were messed up in there. And he's like, well, why don't you fix this? Or look at this. This really isn't that good. Like he designed this? Come on. And, and you totally, like, ripped him apart. And he just, he, he just like, walked away. I don't know. He, he came back after that. Like, he was still always buy coffee and whatever. But I, I remember you were like that. You were always, like, quick to rip on somebody that really had it coming. You, yeah, you, but that's you, not cool. No. I shouldn't do it. But it was funny. Yeah, it was very funny. <laughs> it was funny. But that's because I, wa- I guess I watched too much wrestling, right? <laughs> or yeah. you would rip on that guy in the salon, that guy Ron. Remember oh, that little- you guys want an awesome? 
Rod. Is it Ron? It was Ron. Ron. All right, so there was a guy that he he managed a f- – I'm not going to say the name of the store, but yeah. he, he managed a franchise uh, haircutting place that you see in a lot of malls. Yeah. And he was this kind of uh, – he was this guy. I don't want to really – I could get sued here. i got to be careful. You won't get sued. No? No. You don't have to say who he is. I just, uh, just say his name. That's it. He's done. Yeah, it probably wasn't day. even his real name because everything about this guy was fake. <laughs> so he was this troll-looking dude, and and we used to call him Austin Powers. He reminded us of Austin because <laughs> oh, he had the so accent. So yeah, but it w- he had a fake British accent, <laughs> and he would hire like there's something about the mall to a like a middle school, high school kid of a, of a certain kind that they're very attracted to it. There's some glamour. To the mall, at least back in the day. I think malls are kind of no, not what they were. But if you think about all those high school movies during the heyday of all the high school movies, there's always the mall scene, like in the Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yeah. And these girls were dying to work in the mall. Probably guys, too. I shouldn't say girls. And he would hire these high school girls and let them be the receptionist at this hair salon. They didn't cut the hair, but to them it was super cool. And he would flirt with them and... Just every once in a while, just kind of how, like, you see these nature shows and you see this pack of, like, herbivores and the predator starts showing up and the pack runs away, like the seals or the penguins or the, uh, the deer, right? But there's always that one <laughs> that kind of, like, it's healthy enough, at least physically, but it doesn't really run away. And then it gets, the predator gets it. Well, he was the predator. <laughs> he was the predator. And so his his uh, besides the fake British accent and the oh. yeah you're working this salon and we're working in the you're working in the mall baby this is glamorous <laughs> this is the salon oh and so his angle was remember he was making the movie oh my god I remember right so he claimed his way to get the in this girl's uh, good favors I almost said pants yeah you can't say pants <laughs> can't say pants on the mic. <laughs> Was that he would tell him he was making a movie? I'm making a movie, baby. I remember that, like Austin Powers, right? And these girls would fall for it, and he, he would like s- set up scenes, and like all the girls, w- this the, the they would all play the same role in his movie, a prostitute. Is that what it was? I didn't. They know always that. he always I'm casting you as a prostitute, and your pimp's been treating you really bad. So I'm gonna kick your pimp's ass, and then you're gonna fall in love with me, baby. Okay? Oh. And he would film these scenes, and where the kissing scenes, and that's the way he would get these girls. What a f- piece of trash! Oh yeah. my god! I forgot about that dude. Yeah, I uh, I didn't forget about him. <laughs> <laughs> Every time. And he, and like he, it was a stupid script. Like his big, remember the big ending, his catchphrase. No, I don't. Okay, so you know the caterpillar, like those earth moving equipment and backhoes yeah. and stuff. They have cat written. On yes, C A T. Short for caterpillar, right? I think so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. And so, uh, the cops would show up after he's beat the crap out of the bad guy, and they'd say like, "Hey, Ron, you know what happened here?" And he would go, "I don't know, man. Ask the cat." <laughs> And he would point over at the yellow piece of construction equipment. And that was like his big, I'll be back. You know, oh they all, you got to have your signature. God. That was his signature line in every movie. Ask the cat, baby. Holy crap. He actually got one of those girls, I heard, allegedly, yeah. to go to Ireland with him. A high school girl. Uh, she was in high school? I thought she was a little bit older. Or like in her 20s at least. No, she was young because I was, remember we were talking about, God, her parents 
actually allowed that's her. That's right. That's right. Her parents her allowed her to go with that guy. Who was probably two and a half, three times her age. Yeah. To Ireland for three weeks touring whiskey distilleries. I didn't know that touring whiskey. Wow. I didn't know she went on a, to- a whiskey tour with him. Yeah. Good God. I hope he uh, <laughs> got his act together. I hope so too. Yeah. yeah, we can keep going. Let's go to something else. <laughs> <laughs> Alzheimer's dementia. <laughs> yeah. Let's lighten this oh up my a little bit. Yeah, let's lighten it up. So, here we go. I wanted to, oh, okay. So, you have two boys, and one of them uh, goes to Vanderbilt, which is pretty awesome. Congratulations. The other one graduated from, I believe it was Colgate. Yeah. Awesome. So, this guy produces smart kids. My wife does. Was wi- yeah, def- young, definitely. I give her the credit. But, so, he got accepted to Vanderbilt. And you had to denounce my alma mater. His alma mater. That was the deal. Can you explain to me the deal that you had with, so, with your son? Uh, I went undergraduate to the University of Kentucky. Kentucky and Vanderbilt are both in the SEC. You know, it's like a rivalry thing, although academically it's not even close. <laughs> so I heard, he said, yeah, Dad, I'm going to try to, I really, really want to go to Vanderbilt. It's my like number one school I'm going to attempt to get into. And I said, hey, I don't know what I was doing. I must have been drinking. (laughs) I was like, hey, if you get into Vanderbilt, I mean, and I'm way, guys, I'm way into Kentucky basketball. Always been. Way, right? Obsessed with UK. And I said to him, like, hey, tell you what, you get into Vanderbilt, and uh, I'll never cheer for Kentucky again. I won't watch them. I won't read their blogs. I won't watch a game. You know, F them. I'm all in on Vanderbilt from now. So months later, I was having dinner, and he called me, and he was like, you know, Dad, you need to go get all your Kentucky staff stuff, your baseball caps and your shirts and your pennants and whatever else, right? Your signed John Calipari <laughs> photograph, and <laughs> we're going to go out in the backyard and burn that shit tonight because <laughs> I, I just got into Vanderbilt. <laughs> so I literally have I, – I don't know anything that's going on anymore with Kentucky. That's so insane. Yeah, and it was really hard for me, but I, I couldn't – Go back on my word, because the universe would come and come Oh, and my God. You're but my, dead. my kid is actually going to Vanderbilt. That's crazy. Yeah, I remember when he was in his diapers and playing Robot Guy. Oh, that's right, Robot Guy. Remember that? Yeah. He used to run full speed at you, knock you and, and knock into you. That was Robot Guy. I remember that game. He used to tell me about that. He's one of those kids that everything in life's easy for him. That's uh, pretty he's, cool. He's, he, he was on the state championship math team. Yeah, so I remember you telling me about that. But he's extraordinarily athletic, like a, a really good soccer player. Awesome really? first touch, physical. That's awesome. That is cool. I just thought that was hilarious when you told me that he went to Vanderbilt and then you, you, <laughs> you had to get rid of everything Kentucky. You know, my kid, like he's not into like the whole football thing, and so he, I, Vanderbilt, the football season started this year, and you know Vanderbilt's not really that good at football. And uh, the first home game they had was against Georgia. And I, I was texting him, and I was like, hey, you ought to go experience, like, an SEC football game in a yeah, stadium man. with the Absolutely. band and all this. And he told me that aside from the little tiny student section, the entire stadium was Georgia fans. They came in there, and they bought up all the seats in Vanderbilt Stadium, and the stadium was red. Wow. And then he said all the Vanderbilt kids, basically after the first quarter, just all got up and left <laughs> and started studying. <laughs> right? <laughs> And the the, the I, w- I I remember a friend of mine that used to go to Lehigh one time. They were uh, 
getting they were playing some big powerhouse school, yeah. quote unquote school, and uh, <laughs> they're getting destroyed in the game like sixty to nothing. But the Lehigh kids would start chanting um, the gas pump thing. The, the one they were saying was, "Oh, that's all right. That's okay. You're going to be working for us one day." Day. Yep. <laughs> that same thing. Yep. Yeah. Well, you'll be pumping our gas someday. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I wonder if the Vandy kids have the same kind of thing. Oh, you know they do. Oh my God, that's funny. That's that's hilarious though. So probably sometimes it's true. Not all the time. Look what happened to you. See, you went to UK. That's it. <laughs> they can't say shit. But that's still pretty funny. And I remember um, your oldest son. I remember one thing you told me that he did. He was young, probably eight years old, maybe. And he said, "This is when the, the time when everybody started wearing those." yellow Lance Armstrong bracelets, but then it took off into, like, saying sayings on each bracelet. Yeah. And, or, like, I don't know, like, be powerful or be strong. And your son said something to you. He's like, if someone really is confident in themselves, why do they have to wear a bracelet to prove it? And you're <laughs> like, I just, I just won as a parent. He's like, that's that's my accomplishment. He's like, I just did everything. I feel like I did everything right. I remember when you told me that when he came that he said he came that and he came to you and said that. So that was a pretty proud, pretty proud moment. I can't speak today. I need more coffee. But yeah, that was pretty awesome. I, that I he said that. I've tried to instill into our sons the the viewing viewing life from thirty thousand feet, just seeing the pattern that's going on in the culture and understanding what's happening. Yeah, man. It's it's pretty wild. Your kids were, were pretty ahead of their time, which is pretty cool. And obviously, it goes to back to you and your wife. <clears throat> it's pretty awesome because it's not easy to raise a kid these days for any uh, you know wherever wherever you're at. As no, it's not a, it's not easy at all, and there's not really any manual. Yeah, that's on that's how to do it. That's good or tailor fit to your situation, and also anybody can do it. Yeah, there's not a test you have to take to have a child and raise them to be productive member of our society that's Anybody why it's it. that's why it's insane that's why it's yeah. just the whole having kids is so crazy and everybody gets to vote too that's another crazy thing, except felons oh that's crazy. well they're working on that too <laughs> i'm sure they are yeah. what did i want to tell you uh oh okay we're gonna go i'm gonna go back to vanderbilt in a second and i want to talk to you about Crazy, you used to ask crazy questions back in the day, and I'm sure you still do. But you'd be like, "Man, imagine how life would be if <laughs> everybody had to have the length of their penis on their arm, like on display." He's, <laughs> he's like <laughs> in inches, in inches. Everybody would like on display on their sleeve would have to have like. <laughs> if you got caught lying or exaggerating, you'd you'd have to go to prison or something, right? Yeah, or get it cut off. <laughs> God, how would that alter society? How would that <laughs> good question. Now I'm gonna be. I'm back on that one. You're back on it, man. I'm gonna be Facebooking this all day long. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> like, what, would would women even give you a shot? <laughs> like, <laughs> look, maybe you could just go up to him and just like cover it and start talking to him, and maybe you lure him in, and then it's like well, that two. Doesn't matter because she's already in love with or three. She's like, shit, I should have looked. Or like she she finds out like a week later or something. She's like, I should have looked at your sleeve. You know? I, 
later on in life? I think most of us are bluffing. And, like, when I was growing up, if you saw somebody driving a Range Rover or a Lamborghini or a Porsche, it's because they actually were wealthy. But now, because you can lease them, like, everybody's got one. Oh, I yeah. I see them, especially, like, in, like out here in, in Broward County. Like, they're everywhere. They're a dime a dozen. You don't even look at cars like that. No. But they're all being leased, and these people are living beyond their means. Not all of them, of course. But oh, yeah. it's just one example that uh, I think everybody everybody's pretending to be someone that they're not, and there's very little genuine. That's true. Genuine. You, you know what the word is. You know what the word is. You no, read 150 books already. <laughs> you should know. I should, but I'm a little. Yeah, old. man. So I guess when I was, I made that comment about uh, having to wear your penis size on your shirt. Yeah. <laughs> like a little button or something. Yeah, it's just or like an ID card. <laughs> Can I see an ID card? <laughs> you see a penis size ID card. Oh, man. I'm, I, I they have to do a spot check every once in a while to see that you don't have a fake ID. Oh, my God. <laughs> How do you Crazy. think that would impact, like, like realistically? Like, just try, try to. I think maybe people would be a little more humble. Yeah. Imagine the guy that's got number 10, and he's just walking yeah. around, like, pushing people out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> he's got women around him all the time. <laughs> he's just like, what? What? I have a feeling the women already kind of know anyway. Yeah. Or, or guys. They might. But it would definitely, like, humble most people and expose you. But not in a bad way. I think we all need to be exposed. And humbled. Everybody needs it. Yeah. And you'll know. you'll know... I don't know. It would, it would create. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It's embarrassing. Absolutely embarrassing. Well, the one amazing thing about you, Luigi, is you remember everything. I Your <laughs> memory is incredible. I, you always told me that. And like you remember s- stupid crap I've said over the years, <laughs> decades worth of me talking stupid crap, <laughs> and I've forgotten about it. And you remember it. And hey one man. day I'm going to run for office, and <laughs> yeah, this I is all going to come out. I remember. F- I remember funny stuff. That's the thing. Funny things and interesting things a lot of the time. So you definitely don't have Alzheimer's. No, thank God. That's terrible. We're going to talk about that, too, a little bit more. I tried to segue right there. Pretty yeah. Good. I want to keep it. Yeah. I mean, you've seen that a lot. You've seen, I mean, you see it all the time. That's your, that's your job to deal with people who do have that disease. And are they making any breakthroughs as far as no. trying? No. huh? Sometimes a, a news story comes out where this lab thinks maybe they're close, but uh, they're just trying to drive up stock prices and Thing. Really? There's no cure in sight. Really? They have drugs that kind of can slow it down, but do you sometimes I wonder, do you want to slow it down? I see how dementia... All right, first of all, let's define it. Go ahead. Alzheimer's is a type of dementia. You always hear people, this word is interchangeable a lot. It's not. It's not. Um, so what dementia really is, is something happens to your brain. It could be physical trauma something happens with your brain cells or proteins build up on the surface of your brain or chemical imbalance. Yeah. Um, like alcoholism, you could have alcohol poisoning can lead to dementia. So there's different, depending on what you read, 12, 13, 15 different types of dementia. Alzheimer's is 80% of them. Yeah. And uh, there's another one that's really horrible called Lewy body syndrome. And there's a lot of different ways to get it, as I said. So Alzheimer's, we always hear about because it's four out of five dementia cases. What happens is 
your memory, the main thing that happens is your memory starts to go. You also can get hallucinations. Uh, it, it affects your moods. It can affect how you control your body. So at the beginning, it's not so bad. In fact, at the beginning, it's almost anecdotal a lot of the times. So we're like, oh, wow, I can't remember where I put this or that, or I can't remember your name, or I can't remember what I was talking about an hour ago. But as the disease progresses, and it usually takes about five to seven years, your memory slowly starts to go. And the memories that it seems to affect at first are short-term memories. Mm -hmm. But as the disease goes further on, and look, I'm not a doctor. Yeah. But just from observations, what I've seen happens is uh, you start to lose memories further and further back in your life. And I think the reason probably is is because the memories from your childhood or earlier in your life are the most ingrained into your cells yeah in your brain right they're your oldest memories they're entrenched they're the fundamental memories so we had a client that uh, she had progressed pretty far into it and couldn't get her to bathe okay take her into the shower room the caregivers would take her in and they would turn on the shower she's like i don't want to bathe i don't want to bathe I'm like, no 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 and freaking out um what we discovered was that all of her memories had gone away except for the memories from her childhood. She grew up on a farm wow. 95 years ago in the Midwest. Now, 95 years ago in the Midwest, they didn't have showers on a farmhouse. They maybe even just had a giant bathtub they would fill up with hot water, like yeah. one of those Western movies, mm -hmm. right? So you imagine if you've never seen a shower before and you come from 100 years ago and you suddenly walk into a bathroom and there's this this thing sticking out of the wall and water shooting out of it. Yeah. It's like you're seeing a spaceship. Yeah. It was sending her into panic. So we realized that the state of her mind was that she was once again a three, five-year-old little girl living in her, and she thought the room she was living in was her childhood room. Wow. So we were like, hey, you know, let's go take a bath. And really? And filled up the tub with water. And then when she walked in and she looked down and she saw a tub full of water, she couldn't wait to bathe. Really? So you have to kind of try to figure out where they are in that progression of loss of memory. Degression, degression, whatever. And wow. then kind of get into their world. Wow. So it also can, they see hallucinations. Uh, we had a client that she would actually wake up and see people in her condo that she thought were robbing her. Now, it's all in her head, but she firmly believes, she panicked, she ran out the door, with, well, she didn't run, she had a walker, and she ended up like just fleeing her own, uh, her home, because in her mind, it's real. Her brain is playing tricks on her. And she ended up like, you know, she got lost, and paramedics came, and the police, and they had to find her, and she was laying on the, on the parking lot somewhere, curled up in a ball. Wow. I mean, how do you how do you deal with with that? Like as a as being in the healthcare industry, or I mean, that's happened to me before. I've had run calls that people leave their ALFs, mm -hmm. and we have to go and we 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 get a call for someone on the side of the road that that's sick or an older per elderly whatever, and we have to get them and bring them to the hospital because right. that's what we do. But like, what do you do with? Uh, how do you take care of? Them? Just monitor them? I mean. That's terrible. Uh, most of our clients, we're not with them 24 hours a day. Uh, sometimes we visit people's homes for three hours a day. 
some were there 24 7 but we can't do anything about it when we're not there but what i can do is try to keep their minds stimulated Mm -hmm. by doing puzzles and crossword puzzles and interacting with them so that they stay engaged and then keeping them secure and confident making sure that their surroundings are familiar which is very important with dementia alzheimer's people if you move them from their home into a facility where it's strange strange environment right it's a new home uh they become highly disorientated and they decline rapidly really yeah it's best to keep them in place but sometimes you can't Uh, the physical mental and financial stresses placed upon a family that has a loved one are enormous i can imagine that's crazy the cost i think let's say it takes seven years from like let's say your parent all right so let's do this go ahead Pretend you're f- you're 55 years old. Yeah, you've got kids. They're getting ready to go to college, or maybe they're in college, and you're living your life, and you're earning. You're in your peak earning potential period of your life. Life's cool. You got the dog, the family, the cars, right, and everything. And suddenly, let's just say it's your mother comes down with Alzheimer's. Right? What do you do? At first, mom can probably stay in her own home. She's okay. It's not that big of a deal. But maybe a year later, two years later, you, you're at work, phone call comes in, your mom's not in her condo. Uh, the police found your mom. She was wandering. Mm-hmm. Or your mom fell or your mom, whatever, turned on the burner and almost burned the house down yeah, or, or filled yeah. the tub up with water. You have to leave work. This, maybe it happens once a year, but then the next year it's kind of every month this is going on. And soon you've got a serious problem. You can potentially lose your job. Mm-hmm. Right, because you're. I mean, you're, I'm sure your boss is very compassionate. Like, you know what? Don't worry about it. Your mom's important. Go take care of your mom. What if this starts happening every week and you're missing many hours? You're, you're, the company you work for is eventually going to have to say to you, like, look, I'm sorry. We love you. You're an awesome employee, but this, this, this isn't working out. Yeah. Come back maybe when you get this straightened out. So financially, it hits you. Yeah. The total cost of taking care of some uh, a loved one. It's like over $300,000 in the seven years. Wow. Medical expenses, mm-hmm. home care. Um, physically, what happens to you is you probably will primary, you'll be the primary caregiver for your mom, grandma, or whatever. Yeah. Um, they become like a little kid again, as we said. That's what my mom told me about my grandma, yeah. But the little kid isn't a 35-pound little kid. You're talking about 150-pound, or if it's a male 200 220 mm-hmm. right but they're a little kid it's easy when a little kid like to pick them up put them in the shower or get them out of bed and carry them into the shower what if it's a 175 pound woman yeah That's uh, your body starts to break down plus you're depressed you become socially isolated because you're continuously in the home yeah trying to take care of your mom and you don't sleep well you have to sleep with one eye open because let's say you're sleeping on the couch and mom's in her little bedroom and suddenly mom is any moment, could get up, not really knowing where she is. She thinks she's 50 years younger, and she's on her way to work at 2 o'clock in the morning. She puts on her clothes and grabs her purse. This is a true story. Oh, yeah, I believe she it. She heads out on out the door, walks out onto commercial, commercial Boulevard, yep. and starts walking, thinking she's on her way to work with her purse. But wow. So you have, to, you have to stay one eye open. You can't sleep. You know how that will wear you down? I could imagine. So you become depressed. You become physically worn out your back your elbows your body parts start to go because you're you're moving around a lot of weight 
Yeah. Lifting him out of bed, getting him in the wheelchair, out of the wheelchair, into the shower, out of the shower, back in, you know, so yeah, on man. and so forth. So it's devastating for families. And people joke about Alzheimer's, or they call it like old timers, and they're like, oh, your memory's going. And it's okay to joke about it a little bit because I think it's how some people deal with this, the sadness of it. Yeah. It, it really is devastating for families. That is. I mean, yeah, my mom, I mean, we dealt with it. My mom mainly, she was the caregiver for my grandmother. And, you know, that's she had dementia. How did it change your mother? She was upset every single day. She was depressed, upset, you know. I mean, and I always hear people say, like, oh, I have friends that their grandmother or grandparents uh, had dementia, and they would say, when they would pass away, like, oh, it was a blessing in disguise because of the strain that it was putting on the parents, the, the, the child of the person who was dealing with the person with Alzheimer's. It's terrible. And obviously the, everybody's upset and destroyed by it. But that sucks because you hear they don't remember you. They don't remember anyone. What is that like to walk into your mother's room and your mother looks up at you and starts screaming because you're a complete stranger yeah. to her. She thinks you're a burglar or you're there to hurt her. Mm-hmm. And you're like, hey, mom, it's me. But she freaks out. Yeah. How does that hurt? much does that hurt? Yeah, right. I don't I don't know. I don't I don't know. I don't and I've seen that before, you know, going in people's houses and things like that and you see that Alzheimer's like that. I mean, you see it way more than I do. But, you know, that's part of your that's part of your business. And it's your, I'm not going to say business. I mean, yeah, but you're providing a lot of help with these people. Yeah, so what we do the is the way you deal with it. I at first thought that we were there for the person that has dementia, and of course we are, but what young Lim and I have come to realize is we're just as much there for the family members. So even if we're only there for three hours, you can get out of the house and leave your mom with us and go decompress. And it's not like, because, dude, I've seen ALFs. Uh, I don't know if they're, I'm sure they're regulated here better than they are in, in uh, different counties. Like, is each county well, different? Florida's the same. Florida's the same because I've seen some pretty bad ones. I know they're cracking down on that. Um, but man, I've seen some pretty bad ones and that they just, they say that they're a nurse and these people are not capable of, of doing a lot of things. And the way you're training your people, having them, um, you know, talk and, and entertain and keep them stimulated. That's a, that goes such a long way. I could imagine. And that's so different than just staring at somebody and watching them watch TV. So one of the things that that's a pet peeve of mine is when I go visit, assisted living facility and they just have the people sitting in front of a TV yeah, or just staring out a window and like just because you have some dementia or just because you're 85 years old it doesn't mean that you're not capable of experiencing new things in your life. Absolutely trying. not. So you know as you know Young Lim and I both were teachers so it's kind of in our nature to teach and so I want them to experience new things. Young Lim just went over to this lady's house, one of our clients, and she taught her how to make a Vietnamese soup dish. Really? The That's awesome. The woman had never cooked like an Asian dish before. And like I told you, you know, with the bonsai, or I'll yeah. go over and draw pictures with them. Or There's one guy that um, recently passed away. He was a client of ours, and he's highly intelligent. He went to Harvard. And he just wanted to read the New York Times, but he got to the point where he couldn't read the New York Times anymore. Uh-huh. So I, I would just sit and read. Really? Paper and just talk to him about what's going on. Wow. That's cool. Some statistics about Alzheimer's. 
Yeah. There's almost 6 million people in this country that have it. And they're thinking it's going to double in the next like 20 years or something. Really? 6 million people. Isn't that an epidemic? Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty yeah. crazy. Yeah, 6 million people. And there are 12 million family members in this country taking care of them. Wow. That's 12 million people, American people, that are trapped in a... In a difficult situation. That's what my mama told me. She felt trapped. Yeah. There's yeah. She would just be home with my grandmother all day. Yeah, you felt can't bad. go out. You can't I mean, have fun. You can't take your eyes off them. Think no. about that, people. Imagine being with someone in a, in a house, and at any moment, they could burn the house down. Or and she smoked. Away. She was a smoker, my grandmother. Smoked until her last day. <laughs> she didn't forget how to smoke. No, she didn't. Oh, my God. I couldn't believe it. I mean... She she didn't have Alzheimer's though. I mean, like it wasn't as extreme, but she would like throw a lit cigarette into the garbage a few times. Like it was pretty bad. Like we really had to, it was it was rough for a while for especially my mom and and my my aunts dealing with that. But um, there's there's a uh, a comedian that talks about it's just a big advocate and uh, what is it brings a lot of awareness to Alzheimer's disease and says how it's not. Her name is Jessamay Peluso, I think. And she always is a big advocate for that. And she says how Alzheimer's is not a part of the aging process. It's not supposed to happen. So she's yeah. big on, like, raising money and things like that to try to, um, yeah. I guess, cure the disease. I mean, It's also not necessarily for old people. You can get certain forms of dementia in your 40s. Really? Yeah. And it's crazy because they have no idea how it starts and they have idea how to stop it how can you identify it at a young right age? the only uh, i think they're working on a blood test that maybe they can identify it that you you're potentially going to get it or that you have it um but the only way they know for sure that you have it is after you die oh wow okay an Never autopsy mind. and that's they, it and they look at your brain and your brain has shrunk some forms of alzheimer's decides your brain actually changes it'll shrink or it'll expand Sometimes proteins build up on the surface of the brain and causing your brain cells not to be able to communicate with each other. So the only way to know for sure is after an autopsy. Yeah. And so you can't, so there's no way of identifying it before that. Like if you're starting to, for, wow. Well, a good doctor can probably see the signs and it's an educated guess, a highly educated There's guess. no like tests, like a test that you can do on somebody like a, like a, uh, wow. That's insane. I think it's the biggest fear I have my life is that I'm going to get Alzheimer's because I know like, what happened to my family. That's what you think about. Yeah. Ultimately that's because I'm around it. Yeah. You know, sometimes ignorance is bliss. I know. Right. It's true. Like the matrix. <laughs> is that in the matrix? No, but just like not knowing because oh. you can take the red pill, take the blue pill. Or you know. to live in that world. Yeah, exactly. It's all fun and games. Yep. It's normal. It's a normal world. Or you can go and see how all the humans are batteries. I'm going to start talking like John Wick. Yeah. <laughs> I'm coming back for you, machine. Let me get you. John Wick I'm coming for you, Alzheimer's. <laughs> you, what are you going to do, Alzheimer's? Or you can be Hogan. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> so speaking of diseases, we got this whole coronavirus thing going on right now. Mm -hmm. And before we get started on this, I had a, um, my wife was talking to one of her friends that has a relative in Italy. And Italy is on lockdown curfews and everything and this woman was saying how it's a real thing it's a real um 
it's everybody's saying, oh, more people die from the flu and all this stuff. And, you know, this is that the coronavirus. They're f- she was stating that she was fine, but the uh, the coronavirus is a real threat. And it's if we don't take action, she was saying that what the account like what the Italian government is doing, taking action on it, that it's going to spread and it's going to overload the hospitals. That people need respirators when they get it, and it's not supposed to. Uh, people should be uh, concerned about it. You know, just take the extra precaution. Basically, she was saying it's a real thing, and it's not just BS. I personally kind of think it's BS. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, I guess the Italian government is trying to be proactive, but. A lot of that's probably politicians trying to cover their asses, right? It could be. I tried to do something about it, but really, can you stop a virus? Can you stop the flu? They've never been able to stop the flu. Yeah, so how are they going to, you know, I mean. This is a flu. It's a a foreign virus. Yeah. It's not influenza. Yeah, I mean, I could, I mean, I've looked up the the symptoms of coronavirus numerous times. You look up the symptoms and, you know, yeah, let's. But as far as, like, how do you feel about these people, like, shutting down events and things like that? Um, I think it's hysteria. Yeah. Uh, I'm around a lot of hospitals and doctors and things, and I don't really see them panicking. No, neither do I. And I know if you're old, you should probably stay isolated, right? Just for the same reason you don't want to get pneumonia. Yeah. And just wash your hands really well. Make sure you wash your knuckles and your fingertips and between your fingers and Yeah, I mean I, I'm looking up the, 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 the symptoms and I already knew these symptoms. We all know these symptoms. Is, is in extreme cases you can lead to pneumonia or breathing difficulties. That's extreme cases. That's a lot of different diseases or colds or whatever. People may experience runny nose, sore throat, cough, fever, difficulty breathing in severe cases. The flu ha- that happens with the flu that happens with colds too. I don't know, man. I don't. I don't. So I'm not buying it. But it's real. Okay, yeah. So think about this. They, they. S- it started showing up in China. I think in like December. Mm-hmm. Right. That means that it was around before December. Yeah. So let's say November. So as early as November, chances are that people that live in China were flying to other countries. Yeah. So this was probably already spread all over the world. It was here in the United States for months before, you know, we yeah. started really freaking out about it. People were getting it, yeah. probably, and they just thought they had the flu or oh, they have pneumonia or whatever, right? Or you just maybe not pneumonia, but let's say you have the flu, you just ride it out. I yeah. I had a wicked flu in yeah. January. I was you might have had it. <laughs> you yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I mean, it kicked it kicked my butt. I was in bed for three days and I lost like four pounds. Let me tell you something. My I had we get, people get the flu shot every year, but I for the past five years, I don't think I had people directly uh, close to me that would get the flu. This year, I've known like five people that directly close to me was diagnosed with the flu. Like a guy that I work with got the flu. Like who the fuck gets the flu? Like a lot of people get it, but it's just like this. It's more so. Well, some prevalent. years, yeah, some years more than others. With the it flu. could be, it could have been the coronavirus. You know, it could. You know, who the hell knows? But and apparently, it's been around since the sixties. Really, is the nineteenth mutation of it. Oh, it's okay. Corona nineteen. Oh, so that's why they 18, call it seventeen, sixteen. 
That's why they call it, it COVID-19. Okay. The they can't cure the flu. Because it mutates. Yeah. So you're trying to hit a moving target. You get the antibiotic or whatever it is that cures it, and but it's already mutated. and. Yeah. That's pretty wild. That's why we've never been able to stop it. Remember the swine flu? Remember that? Yeah. The swine flu. Uh, SARS. Z- SARS. Zika. Uh, Ebola was another one. Remember yeah, Ebola? Yeah, God. Uh, there's a few other ones. I'm in my lifetime, at least. There was a there was a lot of stuff that that happened, and then it just it happened. It went away. <laughs> yeah, uh, let's hope because I hope so. I really do because you know people getting affected by it. It's affecting a lot of shit. But when I my son called and told me that uh, his university was shutting down, did we say this? No, we didn't. So and I wanted to get into that. He, his school Vanderbilt. And that they're not the only school. They're like, well, we're canceling classes. All classes are going to be virtual. And we're thinking about completely shutting the school down for the rest of the year. That's insane. Wow. So a lot. he said a lot of kids are panicking. Right? It's not going to help. And, you know, woe is me. And they're getting depressed. And, oh, my God. Blah, blah, blah. My kid, he, he sees it as an opportunity. Yeah, and if you think about it, this is a this is a once in a lifetime, maybe not even once in a lifetime, opportunity where there's going to be dramatic social destabilization. There's something happening right now in our country. Mm-hmm. It could be hysteria, it could be the virus. It's a combination of factors, but it's going to disrupt everything about our lives. Yeah. I already everywhere I go, people are f- they're not shaking hands; they're going elbow to elbow. Yeah, yeah. Like this is a new thing now, doing the elbow hello. And businesses are going to fold up because of this. But there's opportunities here. Mm-hmm. So I think everyone out there that whatever it is that you do, think carefully about how, I don't want to say take advantage of, you You find find an opportunity in this that you can make the world a better place, that you can reposition your, yourself or your company or your cause or your passion and do something about it because 99% of the people are running from this problem. You need to embrace it and figure it out. Yeah. I mean, you got to figure it out. And that's, that separates like the people that um, I don't want to say successful people from people that aren't, but I don't know, people that tap their potential, they see something and they're, they're not going to fold up. And, and like you said, they're not going to run away. They're going to embrace it and figure it out. Adapt and overcome, I guess. Uh, there's v- few moments in history, right? They don't come around that often where there's genuinely something that hits a society, destabilizes it, and there's a revolution. Not a revolution in the way of, like, guns and armies, but a revolution in which people revolve from the bottom to the top. Yeah. And the people that are on top get shuffled back down to the bottom because it's all how you act to the outside forces that are messing with your culture. And these are like all these famous people that you've ever heard of, like Vanderbilt and Carnegie and all these people. They actually took advantage of moments where something was changing. And instead of going like, oh, man, I'm screwed, looked around, saw around the corner into the future and capitalized on that moment. With Vanderbilt, what happened was the dude had, he controlled all the shipping in and out of the country. Oh, really? Yeah, so all the ports and all the ships. He owned most of the, the merchant vessels. So he was doing awesome shipping. Because if you were in New York and you made some product and you wanted to ship it to San Francisco, you literally had to ship it by ocean all the way around to San Francisco. He's banking because he was almost the only show in town. Hmm. But 
what happened was the railroad started developing and Vanderbilt saw that it was disrupting the shipping and he was starting he was going to start losing money and because this new technology came along, and so he sold, at the peak of his power, he sold off his entire shipping empire. Oh, wow. And invested everything into railroads. Wow. Because now, if you wanted to ship that product you make in New York to San Francisco, instead of it taking weeks on a ship, you could go and take it on a rail line all the way across America. Hmm. So the railroads came along and destroyed most of the shipping, the, at least the continental shipping. Wow. And instead of him going like, oh, man, I'm, f- I'm, I'm fucked, mm-hmm. right? I'm going to go bankrupt here. I got to sell my ships. I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah. Right? He was like, this wow. is how I can help people move their product quicker. Wow. Yeah, man. It's something to think about. Like you said, it, this is, it's, it's an altering scenario that we're in right now, life-altering scenario that's happening. You, yeah, just be aware of it and uh, embrace it. Don't that's all you panic. can do. Right, because every, when everyone else is panicking and running away from it, you run right at it. <laughs> That's right. Right? Yeah, I love it. It's so true. It's so true because what other choice do you have except, you know, you're going to freaking fold up like a bitch. Right. <laughs> like <laughs> a bitch, everybody. Like a bitch. What are you going to do, coronavirus? <laughs> fold up like a bitch. It's true. Oh, my God. I'm just checking these things off. Man. So, how's your son? He's doing great. He's good, man. He's he's in school right now. What's Marco into? Well, well he's uh, trucks and trains. Choo choos. Remember when he was? We watched that train go by when we were. Yep. We were on Dixie Highway. Oh man, yeah, choo choo trains. That's he, that's his thing. He was the other day. What did he do? He, my wife is pregnant, so she's five months pregnant, and he he smacked her in the belly, <laughs> <laughs> and she got really mad. Well, you know, we both got upset because we was like, hey, don't do that can't do that and he didn't understand he's like you gotta say you're sorry and I was like no and he didn't want to say you're sorry I go okay you're not gonna say you're sorry that's it man taking away all your trains I started taking all those choo-choos all I just took the tracks apart put them I'm starting to put everything away he's like not my choo-choo <laughs> taking all everything apart stowing it away putting it in other rooms like Marco you know this is it man you gotta say you're sorry to mommy you gotta understand what you're doing you can't do that after like 20 minutes, he understood, and then he said he was sorry. I'm sorry, Mommy. He kissed her on the belly. I'm sorry. You know, he he understood after we had to take all of his toys away. But, you know, he's only two and a half, so. Is he uh, into Thomas the Tank Engine? Yes, he loves oh Thomas. God, my, my older son, Han, was obsessed I remember. With stuff. Yeah, he loves uh, Thomas. That's, that's, his choo-choo's are Thomas. He's got Thomas, and he's got these wooden the tracks. tracks. Yeah. The wooden tracks and the plastic tracks. What's his favorite uh, train? Engine. Thomas, Thomas, he likes well, Percy. He's the star of the show. He likes Percy. Percy's cheeky. Yeah, but he likes. Isn't he? He's a little bit of a. No, the one who's a dick is uh, Gordon. Gordon, yeah, Gordon's oh, he's, the dick. Yeah, he's the big engine. Yeah, but he likes because he always says Percy, but he says it's funny. Percy, Percy. That's how he has a little. Percy's a little green one, right? Yes, Percy's the green one. Yeah, you remember all of them. Oh, Toby. I don't remember oh, the names. Toby was like a trolley looking. He knows all the names though. He knows. God, I, we had the book. I had to read him those stories, the original stories, every night, and the episodes on the TV show. We had the VHS tapes of all that stuff. That's funny. VHS tapes, you can go on YouTube and watch them now. YouTube or Hulu or whatever. Any of those those networks. It's interesting how it started off as just a, a little side thing to Shining Time Station. What? Are you aware of this? George so Carlin? 
-hmm. Yes, there was a television show about a train station haunted by a ghost, a friendly ghost. Yeah. And the kids in the train station, there was always some moral lesson they would learn each episode. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean. <laughs> Not in the bathroom. <laughs> so <laughs> that was a special after dark oh episode of God, So <laughs> so the kids, you know, and the they would always George Carlin would pop up as the miniature uh train The conductor. The conductor. Yeah. And teach the kids a lesson and then he would like go like it's like the time Thomas and Gordon da 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 and then they would segue over to And that's how it got started? Yeah, and it became bigger than Shining Time Station and then took off on its own. Ah. Same way the Simpsons used to be uh, just a little cartoon right before the commercial breaks of this show called the Tracy Ullman show. I remember the Tracy Ullman show. I didn't know that the Simpsons yeah. were a cartoon break in that. Yeah, like a thirty second. Oh shit, sorry. I just hit my thing. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have that one? The spring sound? I don't have that. I don't have that. Like, Do you have the loser sound? Wah, wah, wah. I do. That's not it. Wait. Let me find it. Hold on. There it is. I just played it. <laughs> do you do that when people, because I can't hear those sounds. No, I so. got the headphones on. He doesn't, so. Yeah, so do you do that to people when they're like. No, I would mess with some of my buddies sometimes that have them on, but I didn't do that today. So how's Atomic Fitness doing? Atomic Training and Performance. Oh, sorry. It's doing very well. You know, we just finished our, it was three years in August. So now we're coming up on four years. So we constantly, you know, rebuild, not rebuilding, but we're at always making it better. And as far as programs and equipment, you know, we're constantly, you know, improving. So See, you have a business where you're positively impacting people's lives. Yeah. I can't imagine how cool it is with the children that they come in there and maybe their confidence level is low or they're getting bullied it, in school. It definitely goes up. I have we have kids that come in and now, and now we're we're getting some good coaches into that are that are coaching and you know kind of taking our place, which is really cool and they're pretty passionate and really good about it. And the kids, yeah, man, the confidence goes up. And we ha I've had multiple parents come to us and say, "Oh man, she was so you know timid, and now she has so much more confidence, and oh, she sorry. loves coming here, and she hates other sports, but she loves doing this. So we have a lot of parents that come to us and say they hate, like I say, hate. They don't like the sp the sports, baseball, basketball, football, dance. They like doing this, and the kids enjoy. It and they look like sometimes the kids that are like a little more timid than other kids. It's just they're just a personality, and they, and they um they're scared at first, but then all of a sudden they just take off. It's very intimidating when you walk in. It there. is. With all the cargo net and ropes and yeah. different obstacles and stuff like that. But we have people from all different levels that come in and just, they'll essentially they'll flourish, you know, and, and they'll have a goal. And a lot of times they reach it. Like they want to climb a rope. They want to do a cargo net. They want to do the monkey bars. They want to do this specific obstacle. They want to run a certain amount of time, run something, you know, a race, whatever. So isn't there a big Spartan race coming up next week? No, in uh, April. Late April, April twenty seventh, we'll be over there. We're going. We're, sh we're sh yeah. We're shooting for biggest team. We always do. We got it. We always shoot for biggest team, and we've been lucky enough to get it four years in a row. So we're trying to get it for five this are year. You, are you gonna run in the fireman equipment with the no. mask and the helmet and all that? No, You're no. Insane. I never. You're I never. An animal. I never did a fire a, a Spartan race in that. I've done oh. an obstacle race in that. Yes, but never did a Spartan race. One day I will. You know, one day I'll do. I'll do the Spartan race this year. But without my, I'm not going to do the equipment. But I have run an obstacle race in bunker gear. It sucks. The it's so hot. <laughs> it's so hot. What are you going to say? Like it, what you, 
uh, what you're teaching is you're really when you're in there, it's you against yourself, right? Yeah, Whereas that's in what sports. We you're part of a team, and it's a different thinking. But it's really you against yourself, pushing yourself, overcoming the pain, and that's pretty much what it is. And that's what we try to preach in the gym. Uh, we try to teach people that it's run your own race, no matter what that race is. If it's literally running, but run your own race. Don't look next to you. Don't look behind you. Stay in f- look in front of you. You know. Yeah. It's 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 you against yourself. If you go out and you give it the best that you can and you prepared everything that you can, you, there's nothing else you can do. And you just got to let the cards fall where they fall. You know, you have to just um, focus on yourself. That's pretty much it. I mean, it sounds uh, simple, but it's not easy, you know, because you got people in there that you want to be like and want to get better than. But ultimately, if you stay on track and you stay consistent, you're going to get that goal. Eventually. So, what's, you the, what's the hardest thing for you to do when you're in a Spartan race? The hardest thing, uh, as far as obstacle, either either mentally or obstacle running. Really, running is the hardest part. I think. How far do you have to run? It depends. There's all different distances. There's there's a three mile. There's a, a six mile now, Ooh. and then there's a thirteen mile, and then there's an ultra beast. Ultra beast is thirty miles usually. Plus, ha- it's not just running, right? No, it's you're obstacles. You're having to like, crawl yeah. through the mud and jump over walls. and Yeah, and do rings and different rigs. A rig is like a format of a, of a structure where basically you'll take monkey bars, but it has all different holds. So you got to get completed with different holds, whether it's a rope, a ball grip, um, a different bar that you got to swing from to get to another bar. So that's, that's usually called a multi-rig, what they'll call it. Um, you know, there's all different types of obstacles. There's tons of them. And to me, the biggest obstacle in a Spartan race, and I say this all the time to the athletes at the gym, is running. You can do obstacles all day long. If you can't run, and then you got to do an obstacle and then get up and run in between obstacles, it's gonna not going to be a fun day. But granted, there's people that go out there and they want to do it and they want to walk, and that's fine. You can walk in between obstacles. You can enjoy it and do it with your friends and jog and walk, jog and walk, and do what you can. That's how you start out. That's how you get better. But... You know, you have people that will say, like, oh, this race was easy. It's like, you didn't push yourself. That's why. You know? yeah, if right. you want to challenge right. yourself, if you want to go, if you if someone ever said they go to a Spartan race to say this is easy, it's because you didn't push yourself. Even though there's sometimes there's obstacles in certain races that aren't as complex as other races. Like, uh, like usually the longer distances would have a comp- more of a complex obstacle because it's just they need more obstacles for that distance. Uh, they'll they won't they won't have them in the shorter distance. So people will say, you know, it's it's easier or whatever. It's because you didn't run as fast as you could in between obstacles. So it's really what you make it, you know. How but many miles did you say the longest was? Thirty. Thirty. Yeah. Wow. What's a marathon? Twenty six point two. That's so, insane. So yeah, it's a it's 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 tough, man. And you and anybody can do it. You know, you just got to work towards it. It's pretty awesome though. It's a great sport. It's something you could do forever, you know. You could, I got, I got, we got a woman that trains with us, and I always talk about her. She's 67 years old right now. Is she the lady you told me about that? Yes. That she can climb the wall, yes. go over the wall, yeah. jump, and... That's oh. her. Yeah, she's an anomaly. So, they should probably take her blood and just cure coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I heard Chuck Norris jokes are back. Oh, here we go. These yeah, I could so, uh, something like Chuck Norris... Um, has the coronavirus and they're quarantining the coronavirus <laughs> from Chuck Norris, right? <laughs> their eyes. 
I forgot about Chuck. Somebody said that to me. Oh, hey, Chuck Norris. <laughs> oh, my oh, God. Chuck that's Norris great. Chuck are back. That is awesome. So we have something China doesn't have. Right? We got Chuck Norris. <laughs> how, how insane are these people that actually aren't buying Corona beer? I heard about that. That's so bad. You know what I'm doing? I'm not watching any Jackie Chan movies. <laughs> what? Well, you can never be too safe. He's Chinese, <laughs> and I could somehow, you never know, through the TV set, get the corona, right? Oh my God. So no more with the Bruce Lee. You know Jackie what's, Chan. man, you know what's funny that, oh, that people are actually doing that. Not, yeah. I don't know about the, the going as far as the movie no, thing. That's just me because I'm ahead of my time. I know. <laughs> Not even a movie theater. You got an old Jackie no, Chan no. movie on DVD. Throw it out. Burn it. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. Yeah, how but the corona thing and the toilet paper thing, you can't even buy toilet paper. People are going crazy buying toilet paper. Okay, I don't think my wife's going to be listening to this podcast. <laughs> yes, she will. Go ahead. What, what do you got? You going to make fun so of your wife? She, she went to Costco, and she's freaking out because Costco sold out a bottle of water. And I'm like, it's... It's not gonna like the water system, right? We're still gonna have water. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's not like we're gonna run out of water. No, we're not. Yeah, people, it's they just freak it's out. It's hysteria, unfortunately, and and we can attribute it to the media. It doesn't help. Yeah, they never help. They sell fear, and it's but you know what? They're not doing it intentionally. It's what we want. It is. So when I give when them what they want. <laughs> so when I go into our clients' homes, almost always they have on either CNN or Fox. And I don't watch TV. It's only when I'm in a client's home hanging out with them. And I realize, like, not being exposed to it all the time, when I'm around the uh, Fox News or CNN, you realize that the news is really just, it's fear. It is. And the commercials are fear. Whatever that product is for that medication or this or that, or even if it's a car or makeup, they first make you feel scared or they show you a perfect family. Let's just say it's a car commercial, right? like the new Lexus or whatever, they show you that awesome, beautiful-looking family that are funny and they're cool and they have that car and then you feel bad because you don't have it and they're beautiful and you're not. So yeah. then you want to buy it. So they play upon you psychologically. So it's not just the news. In between each news segment, you have like two or three minutes of commercials telling you that your life isn't good and you need to buy this or that. So it's nonstop making you feel it's like crap and afraid. It's crazy. Closer. And that's what they're doing. Like that, I think that's part of what's going on in the coronavirus. Yeah, it is. It definitely is, and it sucks. I heard that they canceled the ultra fe- the ultra music fest now. Not yeah. that I give a shit. And they canceled. Uh, hey, what? <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Have you ever seen the video on YouTube from Ultra? It must have been the girl making out with a tree. Yeah, having sex with the tree. Oh, so stupid. And all the people are around here with their cell phones. Yeah, just filming. filming you it. can watch this girl have sex with a tree from like 20 different angles. Because <laughs> there's a bunch of people gawking at her, filming her with their phones. It's so dumb. She's probably now a mom. I know. That she has kids. and That's pretty crazy. Yeah, they should have immediately like said, no, I'm sorry, honey, we're sterilizing you. <laughs> we're sterilizing. Imagine. But Man. come on now. Having sex with a tree. Dendrophiliac, right? Is that what it is? Sex with a tree? I think so. Hey Siri, what's the song for sex with a tree? There's actually a rap for this. Siri, you ain't doing nothing for me. I think it's the dendrophiliac. I don't want to look it up because I can't do two things at once, obviously, because I have to go and do that. Probably also don't want that on your phone. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I 
it's his worst things, but still. Yeah, with whatever. Man. Give me another story with the mall. Besides, God, We've hit on all the classics. No, we didn't. What, you close. tell me. You're the one with the perfect memory. That's true. What do I remember? You know what? I can't remember anything. I can't remember anything with the mall. So now, oh, you know, I remember something. Not about the mall, but you're, um, you're training now. How often are you exercising a week? I'm uh, three days a week at the gym and four days a week doing uh, kickboxing and Krav Maga. How long have you been doing the Krav Maga and kickboxing for? started in December, December 1st, so it's I'm in my fourth month of it. That's awesome. And as far as exercise goes, when you because you went through a change, a big life change, starting a new business and just reinventing everything, um, how did that exercise play in, a, play in that role? Well, I think first you have to change your mind have to change the way you think and yeah then you have to change your body it almost just comes naturally because once you're you know in the zone and you're thinking towards a goal like you have to be physically strong enough to be there for the people that you care about yeah that's a huge factor i wish more people would think like that it's not about them yeah, first it's, it is it is about you yes because that's going to ultimately make you better exercise and then it's about the people that you love too Absolutely. Right. How can I be there for my family or be there for the people that I take care of if I'm sick or I'm fat or I'm lazy or I don't want to get out of bed or yeah. continuously getting sick because I'm not in good shape? That's so I've been, I've been working out at a gym for a long time and the martial arts stuffs recently. I can't get enough of it. Really? I, I got so at the end, like they let you spar and you have to put on like pads and gloves and all that stuff. <laughs> Go ahead. <And>, uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I ended up just for five minutes. I sparred with this woman, and she's like a black belt, but she's a woman. And I'm, you know, we're you know we're jabbing and throwing combinations and whatever. And I there was a couple moments where I actually got her to drop her gloves, and she was exposed, and I could have really delivered a knockout blow, but I pulled my punch three times in a row. And I should never have done that because, like, uh, 30 seconds later, she clocked me. I thought she broke my nose. <laughs> so freaking hard, straight on with a glove. So I oh learned a lesson. I'm never doing I'm going to, oh, I can't wait to get <laughs> roundhouse kick. I'm never going easy on a woman again. <laughs> That's it. But I love it, and everybody's so cool. And yeah. Uh, there's something about fighting. Like It's, it's amazing. Different. Like Your adrenaline gets going. There's some thing deep down in your brain like some survival thing that kicks in probably i guess with spartan races too right yeah a survival yeah. Thi- uh, it's just i think it's just it's the human calling for physical activity you know in a sense you know you're not we can't we can't simulate hunting well you can't hunt but like hu- real hunting where there's a chance that the thing that you're hunting is going to turn around yeah and hunt you yeah or yeah. something like that or you know you're not so we have to simulate that in a certain, like with exercise, just, I think, just being a human, you know, we're all animals, man, and that's our instinct, you know, to be physical. I had a moment a few weeks ago where I was in the gym, and I was just sweating, and, you know, you got the gear on, and uh, it was a moment of perfect clarity in which I was exhausted, and I don't know if it's like I kind of got through the exhaustion, like my shoulders, I couldn't lift my arms up. I was yeah. worn out. It was like two hours of this stuff. Really? crush boxing and all this stuff and and then suddenly 
I, it was a high like I've never had before. Yeah. Where I felt amazing and at one with everything and happier than I've been in a long time. Isn't that weird? Yeah. It's, it's so the, weird. I wish they could bottle it and sell it. I, you know what? I, I know, think right? they do. It's called heroin. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> But it's kind of, you know, heroin <laughs> has its drawbacks. <laughs> I Apparently heroin's that same, like, you know, you're you're with God, that whole thing. And I was at that moment in that gym. I just felt awesome. It's I was weird. so happy. And then she hit me in the face. And then she hit you in the face. <laughs> that's life. <laughs> and it was the wake-up call. <laughs> the woman hits you in the face. That's 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 life. That's her name. Damn. That's awesome. I'm really glad you got to that you experienced that because a lot of people – Especially that start, you know, because you stopped training, exercising, you know, for a while, right, in life. And then you picked it up again. Yeah. In your in your late 40s, right? So I'm glad that you got to experience that again because I love to talk to people that experience that again or that experience it for the first time because it's life-changing. And that's that's a part of, like, you know, what we do at the gym, you know. That's, we love it when people have that because it's – and we all we could do is hope that they keep going with it. Because it's such a great thing, and it's still a life changer. So many aspects, <clears throat> physical and mental, spiritual, if you want to get go on that route. But, yeah, man. Look, it's easy for me to say this now because I was actually one of these people. But you, you get to this point now where you look at everyone in society, and everybody's overweight, and they're depressed, and, you know, they're not doing anything. You're like, come on, get, just get to the gym, man. I'm now that guy like, what the, come on, man. You're going to start working out. You're going to feel awesome. But it's really true. And it I is was that true. same guy like 10 years ago. Like, I just want to eat some donuts. It's true. But I it's, can't get enough of this. Yeah, it's so true. And there's no amount of food that you can eat that's going to that's gonna make you happy like this. It's crazy. Yeah. It, is. <laughs> it's, it, it really is. And then especially when you get better at something, that's even cooler. When you start getting better at running or like if you're doing kickboxing or wrestling, jiu-jitsu, any t- anything that you can get better at or improve at. Or weightlifting, whatever. It's just gonna. It's gonna. That's that icing on the cake of physical activity. It really is. I had this moment the, uh, a couple of days ago where it started like some guy in traffic in a parking lot in some strip mall around here, and he was like flipping me off, and really pissed off or whatever. And we both ended up parking close to each other, and like he got out of the car and he's still jawing at me, man. Really. And I literally, my head was thinking like. Could break this guy's arm in a second, it but I just like smiled at him. Yep, and I just I, it wasn't like uh, a, a cocky smile. It was just like, you know, I'm really happy. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, and like I'm, you know, I'm never gonna actually take a swing at you, dude. Yeah, and that's great that so you did that. And th- I think that's part of it too, right? You just get to this point where just knowing you always figure that it's when I get really, really good at karate, I'm just gonna kick everybody's ass. The better you are at it, the less you want to. Yeah, and then and and you don't have to like you you at the, you have that confidence level. It's like I don't, I'm not gonna do anything to you because I know I can, and that's a co- that's part of the confidence. That's a self confidence in martial arts, which is really cool. So the kids at Atomic must be the same way. Probably some of them get bullied. I don't know. Or getting bullied. I've never gotten stories about being bullied or anything like that. Because, you know, we don't teach martial arts or combat, but, you know, we teach them to be strong and they get fast, you know, and, you know, things like that. I'm so sure anybody, though, that goes to your gym and can like, go through all that obstacle course is so athletic. Yeah, no, you'd be surprised. that they're and not worried about. Uh, what we pride ourselves on a lot is that we get people that weren't athletes before and we make them. Into um, and we 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 turn them into athletes. Really, I mean, 
turn them into people that get top get first place in their age group in a Spartan race or, you know, that are just kicking ass. And they've never done that before. They were not a collegiate athlete. They were not a high school athlete, you know. And they come in and they just totally find, you know, their their groove and they have their, their they apply their work ethic. So it's pretty awesome. So they lose a bunch of weight. You know, so it's really cool. How are your how are your shoulders? My fucking Trap's killing me right now. <laughs> it's why I keep going like this. I got to get a massage. That's the real. That's the, that's the truth right there. Because I pulled a muscle in my back earlier in the week, and now my my right trap is super super tight. So I've been trying to massage it out with this little massage tool that I have. But I got to go get a real massage. There's no way around it anymore. Shoulders a complex uh, group of muscles and tendons, isn't it? <laughs> Something starts going wrong. Oh, yeah, it takes a long time. One thing affects the other. It's yeah. all whatever. And if you're doing that kind of stuff, it must be nonstop shoulder pain. Well, you know, I mean, yeah. Well, not really. No, no, no. Because you oh. get, if, you, if you take care of it, if you take care of your, um, well, as far as like, like soreness, okay, that's one thing. But this, I got this. Yeah, I meant soreness. I got this. This happened to me picking up my son. Go figure. Every, I'll pull my back doing the stupidest things. And I get it like three times a year. I'll pull my back doing something dumb um, or simple. So I picked up my son. I walk in the other room. My back started seizing up. I'm Oh, and it's just all day. All day. It was like that for three days. This is the fourth day. I still feel it, but now it's my trap is super, super tight, and I'm sure it's something with my back that needs to be worked out. Do you stretch a lot? No, not as much as I used to. I need to stretch every night. I don't stretch every night, yeah, which I, I should. Stretching is very helpful. I mean, look, I'm 55. And You're 55? 55. Man, you look younger now than you did when I was 16. Isn't that yeah, weird? Yeah, because I'm happy and 17. I'm in shape. Your hair doesn't even fall out. Screw you, man. Oh, this man. is a toupee. Oh, it's a toupee? Okay, I got to get one because my fucking hair's falling out, and I'm getting sick of it. I got these You know what? I didn't notice it until you said something, and now I'm like, Jesus Christ. See my receding hairline? <laughs> the guys that I work with, because they speak Spanish, like, you got to fix your entradas. These are my entrances. <laughs> what was that George Carlin line about guys that are losing their hair that shave you, it? You want to be bald? Wait a while. Like you're trying to shave your head and go with some macho statement. Just yeah. be who you are. But you know what? I'm going to shave my head. There you go, making a macho statement. I have to. I can't. Look at this shit. You're a good-looking kid. But that doesn't, doesn't even... Listen. Listen. You have to because it doesn't look good. Because this is all thin right here. Oh. I got my entradas right here. My hair's going back. I got, I got to shave and make it all one. At least. Don't do the Joe Biden hair plug thing. No, I, I don't even... I, I never saw his hair plug. I don't... Sleepy Joe. Sleepy Joe. You know something that's funny that our Donald Trump said, and I, I'm sure this this newscaster was was asking it on purpose because he knows what he's going to say, and it's hilarious. He was talking about uh, how would you describe each one of your uh, opponents in the in the Democratic uh, committee, whatever, in one word. Because starting with uh, Nancy Pelosi, I don't know if it's Nancy Pelosi. Who's the one that was trying to bust him? The old woman. What was her name? That she's running? No, that she wasn't running. There's two different ones. But the he, Speaker of the House? Yes. Nancy Pelosi? That's yeah. Pelosi. She's like 80 years old. She looks like it, yeah. And he just he goes, nervous, extremely nervous. And then he goes, what's the other one? He, the, the, the one that says she's American Indian and she's not. Pocahontas? Yes, he calls her. He says, Pocahontas. That was the one word. And they go, what about Joe Biden? He goes, sleepy, very sleepy. And then they go, what about <laughs> Bloomberg? He said, little. Little Mike, like he's every, it was hilarious, man. Look, 
this is a big it's a big show and it cracks me up. It's amazing to me how he he destroys his opponents simply by giving them a nickname. Remember Marco little Marco Rubio? Marco finished. Lying Ted. Right? <laughs> finished. finished. What was it with Jeb Bush? He had some other thing. It wasn't sleepy, but it was something like Jeb Bush. He called him. I don't something. know. And then he calls Crooked Hillary. <laughs> yeah, Crooked. You can't get over a nickname <laughs> like that, right? You're done. Are, these nicknames are amazing. Yeah. I thought I could give some good nicknames. Put, your, put the politics aside and put aside the fact that you know, this may or may not be horrible for the country or whatever, him uh-huh. being president. But just if you look at him, and like I, what drives me crazy, people say, Trump's stupid. He's an idiot. No, he's not. I know, you don't he, get to that he position. He figured out a way to become president of the United States. And one of the tools he used was destroying his political <laughs> opponents by giving them a simple nickname. Pocahontas. Pocahontas. You're finished. <laughs> right? Sleepy Joe. Sleepy Joe. I don't, uh, I, you know, everybody says they crazy. don't. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy Bernie. He's crazy, crazy Bernie. He's crazy. <laughs> yeah, okay, he said crazy. Right? And once it's in your head, he's crazy. You can't. It, it, it's, it's pretty funny. And I heard a great analogy about politics in general because it, this guy was say, saying it it's a show yes and you have to know like he's like compared it to game, game of thrones there's a lot of evil ones there's a lot of good ones and you have to keep track of it to know who's good and who's bad so it's like game of thrones like because in the first episode of game of thrones you're not going to know anybody's name you start learning the names season two season three he's like you got to be in the follow politics for a while, and then you start learning who's good, who's bad, and the names, and you'll remember everybody's name. And he was comparing it to that, and I was like, you know what? This kind of makes me want to start paying attention and following it, because I I kind of pride myself on having like an open mind when I when I hear something or look at something. I don't believe it right away. I never do, and I like doing my own legwork and figuring it good out for you, because it's not true. I can't believe what people say all the time, because it's always. And they're usually just repeating whatever they heard whatever on the TV, they heard. which is not the truth. It's what they want them to believe. Yeah. So I like to do that, and I'm going to start doing that more now. I'm listening to more NPR, and I'm going to start doing my own research. I like NPR. I listen to that now. And I just think that I look at it in that sense now. like It's like Game of Thrones, so i got to learn the characters. I came to a similar uh, conclusion. So I was reading a book about the history of China. And it's, it's no different than it is now. It's basically wealthy families fighting for power. Really? But the difference between now and in medieval times or in ancient China is like the families would literally kill each other. Or you had two sons competing for the throne after the father died or, you know, whatever, a family. Really? Queens from a, he's, you know, the king, the emperor has 12 queens. Each queen's from a different powerful family within China yeah. or England or, you know, it doesn't matter where it is. And so when the, the king gets sick, there's it's time for a new leader. The powerful, rich families began fighting. And back then they would cut their heads off, <laughs> right? You'd send assassins and ninjas yeah. and whatever. Or duels, like in the more uh, Elizabethan era, uh-huh. whatever that's called. Right, they would maybe have a pistol duel. Yeah, like, and they think in American politics, I think there was like a president or a secretary of state that actually had a pistol. Really, duel in seventeen or eight early eighteen hundreds. Hey, they were like, well, sir, you know, they go out there and shoot each other, and whoever survives. Wow. Uh, we do it now, but we do it through propaganda. Yeah. And now with Trump, he's taking it to hmm? 
black through, through blackmailing and yeah. things like that. So no one gets their head cut off anymore. Well, unless you cross the Clintons. <laughs> but sorry, Hillary. I was just <laughs> you ever seen that list? No. I don't of I the people that have known the Clintons that have died mysterious, I've heard some strange cr- deaths. Crazy, crazy but shit. Hey, they're you're fighting for the ultimate throne, the throne of the empire yeah. on the face of this planet. Yeah. And I can understand they're just ruthless, and you got to get it done. Some guy starts talking shit about you, or has information on you, disappears, or some other rich political family is trying to beat you out. You give them a nickname. <laughs> you give them a nickname. You know, it's a lot more uh, genteel and civil than cutting a head off. Yeah. Or burying them in a a, a trunk of a car in a junkyard in uh, Little Rock, Arkansas. Yeah. You can simply call them Pocahontas. <laughs> See you later. You're done. It's crooked. Crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy, and it's and it's it's a game. It's a big, big game. And that's it's a game. Yeah. yeah, it is a game. That's why when that guy said the guy's name is Eddie Bravo, he's actually a, a jiu-jitsu world champion, and now he has his, a series, a, a, a whole uh, franchise of gyms that he opens up. Super talented, and I think he's a comedian now too. And he was the one who talked about it and compared it to Game of Thrones and learning the characters. So it's pretty awesome. And I don't think pretty these interesting. people really are running the country. Uh, it's cost no. at least a billion dollars now to get elected president and the money you have to spend. I'm hearing up two billion now they're going to Well, that's that's now because well, they're, they're just borrowing money from people. Not right. borrowing, so but like, you know. If somebody hands you a check for $10 million. You got to do this for me. When you're president, you owe them. Yep. Right? So it's really the rich people that are running the country, even if they're not directly the one in power. They're pulling the strings from behind. Yeah, it's crazy. As well, I mean, if somebody handed me $100 million, right? Right. I became president, sure, I'd owe them. What do you want? You know what my buddy was telling me yesterday? He was saying how Pocahontas, Elizabeth Warren, that's her name, right? That she uh, she was a school, a school teacher, and she's been in politics for I don't know how many years, and how is she worth $10 million? Yeah, they all got Bernie Sanders, even though he's a socialist and this and that, he has three mansions or something. Yeah, how does he have all this, right. how do they have all this money? Of what's her name? Pelosi, her and her husband have gotten extremely wealthy at, in her years. How? Yeah. How? Like, what are you doing? Like, what do you do? Politicians? Like, like, how do you get this money? Like, explain that. Like, yeah, people hate Donald Trump, but we know how that guy got his money from real estate, right? I mean, people want to say he stole whatever he did, bankrupt. I don't know. But I'm just saying, the guy wasn't a politician. Another thing cracks me up is people say, like, Oh, yeah, he's a billionaire, but it's because his dad gave him $5 million. And I was looking at him and say, really? If somebody handed you $5 million right now, do you really think that you, you could make a billion. parlay that up into becoming the president of the fucking United States? Right? Could you invest it that well? You know? Right? And uh, like, yeah, I, could, I know I could, man. I just never got that break in life. And I'm like, no. Man. He's way smarter and way more driven than you are. Yeah, probably. Definitely. Yeah. And I don't, I don't necessarily like the guy. Or yeah, but well, you got a, a spade to spade, man. You got to yeah. call it like it is. Sometimes people can't. You know, <laughs> you know, I was, we were talking about Alzheimer's, and like I go into these clients' homes, and they have CNN on or Fox, right? Um, I have this one guy, and he has CNN on twenty four hours a day in his home, really loud on a big <laughs> jumbo like screen, widescreen, flat screen TV, and his dementia has gotten to the point where he really has no clue what's going on and I'll you know I would sit with him and like watch it and he'll ask me like what what are they talking about or you know whatever right 
He doesn't know what's going on, but he knows one thing. What's that? He hates that guy. <laughs> and when he says that guy, he points at the screen when Donald Trump's on. He doesn't know who Donald Trump is, but on a sub, some subconscious level, the propaganda, the nonstop 24 hours a day of wow. hate Trump, hate Trump, hate Trump, it's still, even though he has heavy dementia, uh, he knows he hates that guy. Holy crap. Yeah, that's how that powerful it is, and we're all exposed to it all the time. Yep. That's pretty wild. Damn. Yeah. That's, that's power right there. And that's abusive power. <laughs> that's fucking sick. Yeah. Wow. That's and, crazy. And the news media. You know, my question is always, does the, um, does the media work for the Democratic Party? Or uh, it's does the Democratic Party work for the media? Because the media is owned by extraordinarily wealthy people. Yeah. I wonder if they're really the ones in power and the Democrats. It could be. Say, or Fox with the Republicans, either How way. How do we, right? How do you know? I think now it's the corporations are running the show. And it they're trying to, to get their the people elected. They have the money. I mean, that's it. It's the money. They have the tools. Yeah. To, to get, to send the message to the masses. Nobody's reading. And if, the, right, nobody's reading, especially you're not reading any news from outside of this country to get a, a different perspective on what's going on. You mm -hmm. turn on CNN because they feed you that view of life that you like. Mm -hmm. You want to believe that Republicans are bad or if it's Fox, you, you believe that Democrats are all commies and fags. And yeah. Whatever, right? And that's the news you want. You're not getting neutral news or the news. You're not trying to see the other person's point of perspective. Blows my mind when people say, I hate Rush Limbaugh. And I was like, well, have you ever listened to Rush Limbaugh? Yeah. How you could you, yeah. No. Why would I listen to that? What do you know what he really says? All you know what he says is what CNN uh, cuts out of context. Yeah. What he says it's so that they can try to convince you that he's an asshole. I listen to the dude all the time. He makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And the same with. And people don't say, like, people aren't perfect and they're not going to say politically correct things all the time. But, like, you got to listen from all aspects and. Absolutely. All Isn't perspectives. Like in the art of war that you have to study your opponent? Yeah. So why aren't the f CNN people tune into Fox News for a week? Just listen or turn into Rush Limbaugh. And conversely with the people on the right, listen to Rachel Maddow sometimes. Or mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? And just listen. I'm reading the art of war right now. I just started reading it. Yeah. I'm really excited about it. I'm on, you know, still in the first chapter. I just started like, I started two days ago. Brilliant stuff from yeah. a long, long time ago. Crazy. Crazy shit. You ever hear of an author named Ha Ha Lung? No. He made he made a book called The Sacred Art of Mind Control. Oh. So I think I might still have it actually. Yeah, give me I never finished it, but I'll write it down for you. Yeah, please do. Yeah. So he's it's an interesting book. It's it's like a dark more of like a on the dark side of like that type of stuff. Mind control. Interesting. But yeah, man. It's just taking all aspects of everything and Figure out your own opinion and not listening to anybody else's opinion. Or listen to it, but don't take it as your own. There's very, very little independent thinking going on in this country. People have either decided they're on the red team or the blue team. Oh, there is no team. There's only There's one team. There's supposed to be one team. There's Americans one team. or human beings. Human I guess beings. That's really right. One team, man. And that's it's it. And people We're tribal. Yeah, we are, unfortunately. I think politics is sports for geeks, wonky <laughs> people, that they don't really want to watch football. But it's still, right? People always say to me, I'm a Democrat. 
No, you're not a Democrat. Are you a member of the Democratic Party? <laughs> you sit in on their meetings when they decide that we're going to rig the election for Hillary over Bernie? Yeah. Are you there? Did you make that call? <laughs> like, you know, you're a fan of the Democratic Party. That's funny. You right? put you're it that a way. Fan. You're a fan. You're a, you're a root for them. You love your team. You hate it when that other team wins. Yep. Damn it. The Republican team won, and I hate them. It's like <laughs> Yankee Red Sox shit. Yep. Right? It is. You it can't really stand is. them. You don't know why you can't stand them. But they all are making money and laughing all the way to the bank. I hate those motherfuckers on the Red Sox. Hey, fuck you. Yep. I don't, Wade Boggs? I don't know who plays <laughs> it. <laughs> Wade Boggs. Hey, I'm showing my age. You know what? I, I had a Speaking of like hating the other team, I had a buddy. And you're probably not going to like this because you're you were a big fan of your college team. And he always said like how colleges put people in debt and whatever. And I don't necessarily agree with I do agree with that. They do do that. But you also learn. A lot in college, and you learn a lot from, especially a, a, a highly acclaimed university. Um, but that's besides the point. The whole point is, he's like, man, I don't understand. He said, I don't understand why people uh, root for uh, their colleges that they're thirty, they're like a hundred thousand dollars in debt, and it's like rooting for your bank. Yeah. Wow. Brilliant. Right. Yeah. When he said that, I was like, it's a friend shit. of yours said that. Yeah, I haven't spoken to him in a long time, but he said it one time. The, the schools that my kids are Andrew going. Klein. I want to say it. Andrew Klein. A little shout out. He him. said that. Yeah, Andrew I haven't Klein, talked to him in years. I haven't talked to him in years, but he's a very creative individual. And I remember when he said that. He said it on social media. And I was like, holy shit, that's hilarious. And kind of true. So Yeah, the guys on all these teams, they're not there for the university. They're there because they're trying to get to the pros. And the guys on the pros, like, I remember a guy, he was like, from Texas, and he loved the Cowboys, and it's about Texas, and <laughs> Texas is, te and most of the guys on that team aren't even from Texas, right? They're yeah, from all they're over not. The place. And, the, and the politicians, they may be, you know, red team, blue team, and this and that, but they all went to the same schools. Yeah. Right? They all went to the same prep high schools. They all went to Yale and Harvard. They all were in the same tennis clubs together and yeah. played golf together, and they're all laughing all the way to the bank, but you think they're enemies. They're, they're not. They're hanging out together. They're Dude, Trump and Hillary are probably friends. <laughs> oh, there's photographs of him, right, with Trump and the I didn't know Clintons, that. Like at parties, laughing and hugging each other. And Come on, man. Yeah. Who knows? And I wonder, like, if it's like two boxers, and you get in the ring or two MMA guys, and you beat the crap out of each other, but in the end, there's respect probably hanging out drinking beer if you're not fighting yeah i guess those guys don't drink beer no well, yeah they do on their off days it's probably <laughs> the same drinking. and like hey you know sorry I, s I called you pocahontas well no trump's not part of that is he yeah. <laughs> but that's why they don't like him because he didn't go to those schools. that's uh, or true or he went yeah. to penn i guess i don't know where he, he went go. he went to penn for, for business school but they probably at the end of the day like hey sorry i called you you know, lying, Ted, can I buy you a beer? And like, ah, oh, you're all right, Donald. It doesn't matter. I still made $50 million. Oh, my year, God. Right? That's hilarious. Robert, man, guess how long we've been talking for? Two hours? An hour and 54 minutes. Oh, man, it, uh, it feels like it was like I know. 10 minutes. I know. It's pretty crazy. I didn't even drink water. God. Normally, I drink water throughout the whole time, and I take like three pisses. While he's still on the air, guys, you should see the tennis can he brought that he pees in. <laughs> tennis ball can. Tennis can. Yeah. friend of mine used to go on long road trips. And you peed in a college, tennis ball and can? He didn't want to pull over, so he took a tennis ball can. You know those cans are like they hold three balls? Oh, yeah. With a little plastic top, and he would just keep could pull it out and pee into the can. You so know what I think about when I see those? <laughs> <laughs> now you're going to think of that. Now I am. But I always think about, you ever see that movie Mafia? It was a spoof on The Godfather and like Mafia movies? No. That they were making uh 
red sauce, ragu. They would make a tomato sauce, and they uh, opened up uh, one of those tennis ball cans, and there was three meatballs in it. And pff, uh, they popped it open, so and they like dumped it into the sauce. It was hilarious. Oh, yeah, it's like that. It's funny. So this is episode 22? Episode 22. Hey, congratulations. Thank you. I listened to them. Thank they're you. They're always funny. They're intelligent. I always learn. You've got a really good thing going here. Oh, man, I appreciate that. Don't I really stop. do. And you have sound effects now? Yeah, yeah. I got to get better with it, though. I um, <laughs> so I know you're booked way ahead, and I've booked you've booked me like well, for episode 69. Oh, yes. It just so ended up that like he has it booked <laughs> up for the next 22 to 68. It's what, like 40, 46 episodes? The next one available 69. for me, guys, so I'm going to be back on episode <laughs> 69. Maybe before that. Maybe before. You never know. Hey, it reminds me of a joke. What's the joke? Why did the prostitute <laughs> have a vagina on her hip? I don't know why. So she could make a little money on the side. <laughs> <laughs> it's not me. That's Dave Chappelle. But hey, is it? It's a good way to end oh this, right? Oh, my God. It so is. Could, but he goes, he can make a little money on the side. He said that? Yeah. That's awesome. I love Chappelle. He did it in a skit where he proved that, like, all you need is a snare drum. Oh, yeah? And it would make the joke funny. He said that joke and then did the snare drum thing. Just His delivery is insane. Yeah. Some people just have it, that you could deliver anything, and it's funny. He almost committed, like, that last Netflix series he put out. Yeah. Where he really. Oh, he was great. It, it was brilliant, and it wasn't politically correct at all, and he's no. calling out all these movements, and it was almost suicide, but he got through it. Hell yeah, like, he did. In this era where you can't say anything. And he doesn't give a fuck. That's why like. he's him. great. Oh, yeah. he killed it. Totally destroyed it, and it was awesome. And that, that launched him even higher than what he is now. His stand-up is insane right now. Uh, I like him, and I like Bill Burr. Oh, Bill Burr. I haven't, sa- I haven't sat down and actually listened to Bill Burr. I've listened to podcasts with him. I never sat down and listened oh. to his stand-up. The Bill Burr thing, I think I sent it to you once where he's talking about the Duck Dynasty people. Oh, yeah. How you get brainwashed by the church and then... I don't remember it. I gotta watch Yeah, Bill Burr, I... Bill Burr has inherited the, uh... George George Carlin. Carlin. Yeah, he's taken over that niche, that lane. Oh, really? Yeah, where it's social commentary and... I gotta check it out now. I love Bill Burr. I gotta check him out. That's awesome. Let's close it out, Bobby C. All right, I'll be back for episode 69, people. 69. And I'm, going to the, I'm going down to Mexico, and I'm having a vagina attached <laughs> to my hip. Bobby C., owner of First Light Home Care. You wouldn't believe it. It's one of the sweetest guys you will ever meet. Driven, intelligent. Thank you, Robert. Again, I appreciate it. Let's close it out, guys. Wrestle Your Perception podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Leave comments on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Spotify, or Podbean. Um, Anything is appreciated. Any uh, negative comments, positive, I don't care, man. It's all good to me. Take care, guys. Hope you enjoyed the show. As always, brought to you by Atomic Training and Performance. Rocking and rolling, baby.